Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Skullcast, the premier podcast about Berserk from the community at Skullknight.net. I am your eternal host, Walter, and joining me today for episode 131 are Azil. Hello. Grail. Hello. Gabola Tula. Hey, hey. And Griffith. Hello, hello. Welcome back, everybody. Let's start with some news. The first thing, and the only really news item, is that the Big Berserk Exhibition has some announcements. The first is that the Nagoya exhibition is going to take place from August 6th through September 4th. Uh, we mentioned last month, or I guess it was a couple weeks ago now, that if you wanted to go, I would say go ahead and buy your tickets now. Uh, get them as a refundable. Make sure you can refund your tickets in case Japan keeps its borders closed. Right now they're closed to tourists. for They're effectively closed. Let's not even bother talking about how you can technically sign up with a touring unit. And if you happen to slip them a couple of extra hundred bucks, maybe you can force the tour to go over to Nagoya to go to the... Ex- <laughs> That's not going to happen. Just for all intents and purposes, the gates are closed for tours. It sounds like but, you thought a lot about this. You can't do it. It's just, it's effectively not going to work. But... Well, if you're a business traveler, you can. Okay. If you can justify it on business, fantastic. Um, but for most of us, we can't get in the country right now. So what I would do is buy a ticket right now, get your passport ready... Make sure you can refund those tickets if you have to. Otherwise, they also announced that the next leg of the exhibition will be in Tokyo later this fall. Uh, No further details just yet. Uh, It's about a year since the tour kicked off back in September. Is that right? September 2021? I always forget because they delayed it. Mm. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah. So it would make some kind of circular logical sense for this to be the final leg of the tour, ending where it started a year ago. But... There's been no announcement to that effect, so we don't know. It could go elsewhere after Tokyo. Yeah. Uh, I guess that's the only real piece of news other than, of course, the main event, which is the episodes 365 and 366 came out at the exact same time in sequence. That was a first, although, and we'll get to it, reading through it, it definitely felt like one episode to me. Like, you know, obviously it is two. Number of pages concerned, I think it was 19 and 20 something for the total spread. But it, the way it was, it flowed and the pacing, it, it didn't feel like you were getting, getting one over on them. You know what I mean? Like it felt like it was still, the meat on that bone was an episode. 35 page episode, they kind of split. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, because it's 19 and 15. Oh, is it only 15 on the second end? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It was a weird one. We're going to get into that. But as usual, I wanted to start with a summary. Episode 365. With the moon still in the sky over Skellig, Puck is the first to notice a strange presence. Then we see other creatures starting to notice it too. Back in the village, Casca dashes outside, and she and Shirke see Guts facing Griffith. Her brand starts gushing blood, and she is hit by memories from the past, and Shirke is hit by something as well. Hearing Casca's screaming doesn't stop Guts this time. He dashes in with the Dragon Slayer to bring it down onto Griffith. That's the end of 365, and we go on to 366. Gut's swing goes right through Griffith. He takes another swing right through his head, but that one also passes through, with just a single hair displaced by the sword. Around this time, Gut's vision starts to blur, and as before, for when we saw it earlier in the last episode, uh, when he realizes that Griffith is undamaged, he screams and tries again and again, but to no avail. Meanwhile, Shirke is in her astral body, and she sees a glowing figure in the distance representing Griffith. Farnese appears next to her. Shirke describes what she's seeing as a maelstrom, 
something that draws in and devours everything, and they return to their bodies for safety. Just then, Puck senses another presence, and he looks up to see a huge figure emerge from the world spiral tree branch, diving down to the island. Guts dodges a giant claw and realizes that it is Zod, fully transformed. And that's where the episode ends. The way we're going to do this reread, not reread, review of the episodes is we're each going to, yeah, we're just going to bring up something and then we're going to respond, right? And then I'm going to pass the baton to somebody else and that person brings up something. And we're just going to go around Robin until we kind of exhausted how we feel about all the aspects. Uh, that gives everybody a chance to say something. But before we get to that, I wanted to have general impressions about this. Um, who wants to go first? Uh, I guess uh, I guess I will since you know we already had the the size and you know I'll bring the positivity first and then we can uh, bore deep down into the implications of uh, these episodes in every way. Uh, I'm still really impressed. I'm like looking at the episodes now. I'm really impressed with just the artwork in general. Like I did not think they would be able to produce anything even comparable. I guess to Berserk, I don't know what I expected. Like if, you know, it, you know, not stick figures, obviously, but, you know, just something so alien and unacceptable to my eyes that I would just reject it on site. And maybe that's how some people are experiencing this. So I, I'm just really, uh, it's, it's weird because uh, I'm seeing, you know, what looks like a Berserk episode, but then when you look at all the finer details, you see all the little difference, you see all the ways the artwork is, you know, more flattened out, less dynamic, the way the storyboarding is, all those things we're going to get into. But yeah, I guess it's just that weird, uh, we've been talking about dissonance or discomfort, where it's like, wow, this is a new episode of Berserk, but it's not really an episode of Berserk by the definition that only Mira could create episodes of Berserk. So... Yeah, but otherwise I'm really impressed with sort of the work they did making a tribute. Uh, Aziel, what do you think? I'm, uh, I would say, halfway on the same page as Griff. <clears throat> I didn't expect these two episodes to be anywhere close to what Mira would have produced, and they weren't, in my opinion. Uh, I think in every way, basically, they're inferior. From the storyboarding to the pacing down to the sound effects, but it's not a diss on the team because clearly uh, I think they tried really, really hard to do it as good as they could. And I personally think that they achieved this result is a small miracle in and of itself because uh, they used to be the guys doing like, like we said before, background details. They used to be drawing grass, that kind of stuff. Uh, Kurosaki, who is the lead on this, uh, of the studio said on Twitter that Mira used to be doing 99.2% of Berserk and the assistants were doing 0.8%. And now they are the ones doing 100%. So of course he can't attain the same level. And it just comes down to the fact Mira was a genius. Uh, he was pretty much peerless. And so obviously, like you can't, he can't be replaced and you can't do the same thing. So from that perspective, uh, I guess I was just reminded how much of a fan of him uh, I was, and I still am. And um, yeah, I'm just taking these as something different, not Berserk as we knew it, but as a way to get his intent for what the story was. So yeah, that's how I'm taking it personally. I don't know what uh, Grail and Gob think. Yeah, I honestly, I feel very similarly in that 
it was kind of uh, uncomfortable at times to read through the episode at first just because of how different it was from the product that Mira produced so tirelessly over the years. Uh, like Griff has said that, you know, I was impressed in, in some ways by the artistic uh, endeavor that, that Studio Gaga put forth in, in these two episodes. And, and in a few ways, it was better than what I was expecting. In other ways, it, it like with some of the paneling and, and storytelling decisions, I was uh, kind of taken aback because I, it made me realize just, you know, in terms of Mira's storytelling, how much above he he was from other mangaka and how, you know, the, even though the studio is putting forth their best effort, they just can't compare. Uh, that said, I really want to root them on and uh, hope that, you know, as they continue, it's going to become even better. Yeah, the way I feel pretty much aligns with uh, As and Grail. Um, I read it the day it uh, came out. And I remember feeling, uh, at first, really excited. But as I was reading through it, I just felt underwhelmed. And I, I felt, like, immensely bummed out at how underwhelmed I was. Um, specifically at the content with Guts and Griffith. And that in itself was just, you know... It, and we can talk about this later, but I was remembering the battle on the Hill of the Swords and how exceptional and momentous that was. And, uh, well, Grail brought up a great thing just, uh, when they're leaving for Tannis and there's like one, ex there's a look between Guts and Griffith. And I think that had more, you know, going on. <laughs> yeah. So it, yeah. I mean, that just, that, I think that sums up the difference right there, but continue. No, I'm done. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, that was pretty much it. <laughs> For me, it would it would all be a lot easier to accept if it was called anything other than Berserk episode three hundred and sixty five to three hundred sixty six. Like it's yeah. it's it's Berserk three sixty five and sixty six. What did something change? Yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I understand what they're doing, and and they're trying to continue this in a way that seems seamless, but it's not seamless, and. It, uh, all of these changes, uh, these moments of dissonance throughout that we're going to talk about, like would have been much easier to accept if I cared less about Berserk. I think that's what's honestly what's holding me back is that I care about Berserk probably too much because part of the negative feelings that kind of bubbled up as I read these episodes are that I think my feelings about Berserk are undeniably tied up with my feelings about Mira's sudden death, uh, the year of grieving we had, and then this surprise announcement. And it is a surprise. It's like a month old that we've known about this, maybe even less, that the series was going to come back. I feel like a lot of us were still in the process of kind of laying Berserk to rest. And then this thing bolts into the room and is like, I'm back, baby. It stirs it all up. <laughs> yeah. So even with Mori at the helm, who was Kentaro Mira's best friend, known him for 40 years, they shared a brain, right? I can't help mm -hmm. but feel a little skeptical about it because it's clear that this is the path that he thinks is best and he would know better than me. I just know how I feel. And I'm not sure that I wanted it to come back if Mira is not a part of it. That's right. where mm. I'm at right now. Yeah. I do think though, beyond that, and that's all rhetorical, that's all in my brain, right? Like what's actually on the page. I think it's the format that's mostly at fault. The storytelling itself, the story they're telling, if you look through the panels, I think it's okay. I don't have a problem with that. It's, it's the execution it's this weird marriage that they've created between 
the constrained list of rules they're working under to only present what they are sure of and not to ad lib lines and their adherence to the idea to continue the manga as seamlessly as possible by calling it episode 365. So these two things kind of are hitting each other. Yeah, they contradict each other, right? And so it creates a very bumpy ride. If you're trying to read this as a sequential story carrying over from 364, it's a really bumpy ride. Yeah, I do think I would accept it a lot more if it was called Berserk Chronicles or Berserk something or other, and it started at episode one. Of I liked uh, Grail's Berserk continuation. Like if they had just added continuation and tiny little kanji underneath the logo. So that way it's like that acknowledgement while you're still yeah. trying to be like, hey, this is the official continuation. But even just having to like note that. OK, so something changed. Yeah, yeah. From a, I agree with that. From a marketing perspective, uh, it's probably just Hakusensha wanting it to be like as seamless as possible. The problem is that, I mean, my perspective, it's uh, it's disingenuous, distasteful, and honestly, even disrespectful, both towards Mura and towards the fans, because for us, like for the core fans who have been following the series for a long time, you can't pretend that nothing's changed. Right. Even even Mori and Studio Gaga themselves are acknowledging that they're going to try to stick to the story as closely as possible as what Mira wanted, including uh, if that means skipping some parts or not, um, how to say, uh, filling in some details because they, they are not sure of them. So I also think, honestly, I think it would be much, much, much easier, including on the team. They would have much less pressure if it was like Berserk, like you said, Chronicles, Continuation, Berserk Legacy, Last Memories, whatever subtitle you want. Just separate it enough that people know it's a continuation, but it's not the same thing. So, yeah. To your point, as I feel like this is just another <laughs> bump in in the road, examples of Haku Sencha, like thinking of, oh, well, this is good enough, or like average fans will be happy with this, and not thinking of the people who have supported Berserk all these years. Well, yeah, but that's also in a way what bothers me is that they've made a big show of being super respectful and right. doing only what Mira would have Well, that's done. part of the sales that- pitch, right? So yeah. you have to, you have to, you know, it, it's, you want that, but it also raises an eyebrow. Yeah. And the thing is, as far as Mori and uh, Studio Gaga are concerned, and we talked about it uh, previously on, on the previous podcast, but I really have zero doubt whatsoever that Mori is doing it out of love for his friends and that Studio mm-hmm. Gaga are doing it like because they really care fucking much about Berserk and about finishing Mira's story. And I just feel like this marketing decision is kind of hindering their effort and in a way... Like I wouldn't say throwing them down, but making it making things harder for them, and, and yeah, they're putting themselves on a pedestal by calling it a, a continuation without actually acknowledging that it's really different. Yeah, yeah. Now I'm curious how how were they received in Japan by the Japanese fans? So I don't know, but there's also and and it's a bit of the same with the Western uh, reception in a way. It's complicated because there's a, a, a difference between the people who actually buy the magazine and like receive it at home or something and the people who will just comment on Twitter. So it's especially big in the West because most of the people like commenting online just are reading scans or stuff like that. I don't, I don't think many of them are buying Young Animal, if we are honest. 
So mm. uh, there's kind of a disconnect between the people like who actually purchase at customers and will be purchasing the volume and the people who react online. So there's that disconnect, which I don't have, I don't know about. And as for how they reacted, honestly, I'm not too sure. I would imagine it's a, it's a bit of the same yeah. with some people being just happy that Berserk is back without thinking too much about it. And other people being more, I would say, having mixed feelings, a bit like us. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's something Murat talked about in the past in one of the interviews he did. He said that Berserk basically has only two kinds of fans. There's a very casual fans who follow it without caring much. And then there's the hardcore fans who are really big into it. And he said there's no really middle ground of people who care, but not too much. So I feel like that gap is also reflected probably in how that continuation is uh, is received. It's what Walter was saying earlier. We care very much about it. And so every little thing is important to us. Someone who's just reading Berserk among, I don't know, 10 other series or 20 other series. Well, you know, sure, it's good enough, whatever, next. Uh, all they <laughs> yeah. care about is getting the end of the story. You know, much like uh, if you're watching Stranger Things or something like that, you don't really care much. I mean, oh, this season sucked, uh, whatever. <laughs> so it's uh, it really depends. Can on, confirm. On <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Sorry, go ahead, Walter. No, I was just, no, not at all. Please continue. I was going to talk about Stranger Things, and that's not for here. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so, so, yeah, it's just, uh, it depends on that. And like I said before, for me personally, I consider that Berserk ended with, uh, with Mira, basically with his death. And my main interest in this new effort is to be able to glean what his intent was with the rest of the story. So from what they produce, I'm trying, going to try to reconstitute it in my head. Uh, what would be the way he would have done it? But that's something like, yeah, hardcore fans will do that. Someone who's just buying Berserk to read on the toilet and then, uh, <laughs> and, then and then wipe their ass with it again. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, already. Azil's joking, but that is how I read the Walking Dead comic books as I was reading them. You're just yeah, tearing your toilet page, series. tear it out. Ah! <laughs> I would buy them, I would read it, and I would literally throw it in the trash after I was done every single time. Oh, <laughs> no <man>. kidding. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, there's people in, in Japan, you know, a lot of people, for example, Young Animal is a kind of magazine you, you'll read in the train and you're like, mm, yeah, okay. And then you throw it in the trash. Yeah. People who like collect these magazines are, are degenerates, basically. And I'm <laughs> <about> myself. <laughs> Am I a degenerate? <laughs> because, because I do. <laughs> you're calling us all out here. Yes. Yeah. Like, right, do you mean berserk really degenerates point. or like degenerates of the female form? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's also, yeah, that's both kinds. <laughs> We're the preserved degenerates, though. Point. I don't know if this makes for a good podcast material, but I was fascinated by the reaction online because it is pretty polarized. You know, you have a lot of people saying they love it. It's great. It's exactly like what Miura would have done. And you have the people on the opposite, complete opposite end of the spectrum. And in the middle, there's some people like, oh, I was kind of wait and see. It's positive. But like. What is interesting to me is that you could really draw a line between the feedback. And I I did look over on Reddit for a little bit. Uh, There are a lot of split opinions on the thing. Some very positive, very, some very loud people are very positive about it. But I I don't know that I could say this, the majority opinion. I do think it's pretty split. Hmm. I I talked to Griff uh, privately about this. I think there's a, an enthusiasm just because people like that very vocal crowd, hey, I want more, I want more. Mm-hmm. These guys are getting what they want, so they're happy about it. And on top of that, this is like the payoff from the past uh, two volumes. 
yeah. of content. Sure. Even more, even more. Like since Britannis, that's a payoff. Like the whole series was building to this moment. <laughs> yeah. So these guys are super excited because before that, it was, eh, it's boring. It's the uh, witches. Is she okay? Who cares? Is she draw? Who cares? Who cares? Who cares? Now it's God versus Christ. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the problem with that is, uh, we're getting this. So personally, I wasn't, uh, I didn't have, uh, well, we can talk about this later, but in any case, they're getting this. So they're excited about it. But, like the rest of the story isn't just going to be Gus versus Griffiths. It's going to be other stuff. Sure. And I'm, and when we move back to uh, character development and other things, uh, that same vocal crowd might come down a bit from their high and they might also notice things they don't like so much anymore. And so the, the tide uh, of opinions might also change and switch. So it's kind of a, I would say a temporary situation that might not last in the same way. And we may end up being the ones at the end who are still more positive about it because at least we're getting some information and you'll have the usual crowd who will be like, eh, I don't like uh, whatever, this is not drawn well, blah, blah, blah. So, you know what I mean? It's, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I see it yeah. as a moving situation. Oh, it's, uh, yeah, it's going to switch. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I, I I agree that over time, as Studio Gaga and Mori kind of get their feet under them, it's possible that we could be the ones saying, hey, I really liked how the paneling looked in this episode. Like, they're improving, whereas people are like, there's too much talking in this episode. Where's Griffith? Where's Guts? We're just not smashing anything. So I really agree with you, Ez. <laughs> I think it's really fluid in that we we still don't know what to expect going forward, just from even, like, a quality standpoint, because... Yeah. This has been – they've had a year to produce this. This is like, mm-hmm. you know, the marquee matchup that they inherited, you know. So it's like what's – what? how am I going to feel when they put out like a dog shit episode that looks, <laughs> that looks really bad and they have some new monsters in it and they look terrible and Guts doesn't look right. And I'm just like, oh, man. <laughs> you know, and it's not – it ain't going to be like, you know, fulfilling my dreams of like there's Guts and Griffith, you know. On the page together. So, yeah, that I think that's definitely something to be watching out for. And, you know, it's going to be this constant expectations game. And also, I mean, what, whatever, however they're able to keep this up, I don't know how sustainable this is or if this is like a result of, you know, this mixed result is like a year of work versus like when these guys are on a relatively short deadline what they're going to be able to produce and like what sort of pressures they're going to be producing it under. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, yeah. so go ahead, God. Now I was going to say, that's another thing. Um, supposedly the next episode is coming out and then July next 8th issue. <laughs> yeah. 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 Crazy. Well, so. I, I think the, I think what they did at least is what I would have done myself is they produced these six episodes to end the chapter of the Eiffeland. They, it was used as like the uh, thing to decide proof of concept to decide whether the project was viable or not. Mm-hmm. And once uh, Young Animal decided, okay, well, this is good enough. You guys are doing great. Let's go with it. Uh, and that's why I think they're releasing it in that timeline. I think after that, we'll move back to a monthly uh, release rate. I would oh, okay. be surprised if they keep going for one every two weeks. If they do, I mean, I don't know. It might be we might be surprised, but I would also not expect uh, because they still have had almost a year to produce. It might six. it might fall in line with my previous expectations that I think this looks so much better than, or <laughs> it's like oh yeah. <laughs> And there's a thing about, because everybody's been saying, oh, the art will keep getting better, no. they'll keep getting better over time. 
And the thing is, uh, I believe it's a bit more complicated than people might realize because this was drawn while the team was at their maximum dedication to the cause, to Murat, to Berserk, and likely they had the clearest idea of what Murat envisioned next because he must have talked to them about it. Yeah, they, were, they had to have been so, planning it on some even bare-bones level, like they were heading towards yeah. this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's unclear to me how things will evolve once those initial six episodes are done. And on top of that, because it will be much more fluid uh, and, and vague, because it's stuff he will have, he will have told Maury, but, you know, when you just tell somebody, oh, then Guts will do this, then there might be this that happens, and I've got this idea for... He'll swing at Griffith's head, but he won't be able to hit him, you know, and then how does that end yeah. up on the page? Yeah, exactly. And and beyond that, there's also the fact that uh, an art style evolves over time, continuously. And I feel like, depending on how long they go at it, it might be a struggle for them to stick to Mira's style instead of letting their own style develop, as it normally would, if the project were to go on, like I said, for five years. I still think they're going to try to uh, put it out as quickly as they can. I, some people were like, oh, they're going to do 15 volumes. Honestly, I don't think they're going to do 15 volumes. Uh, I think that would be really a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Um, it's unknown for sure for, for now, but uh, I do think uh, it might be a struggle for them. So I'm curious to see yeah, how it will go on. Uh, yeah, Over under five volumes. Let's go to the uh, round robin style topic uh, passing. Uh, I'll start just to get things moving. Uh, first three pages of 365, very laser focused. I'm not saying we're going to do the next three pages and the next, I just like these first three pages. And I wanted to talk about them. Uh, they, they set a good tone. I think to open this episode with the creatures we see look very much like what I would expect from Mira's layout and the details and the density of what we're seeing on the page Mwah, is all I have to say. I really like how that was done. The perspective used on the marrows to emphasize that they're deep in the ocean looking up. I like just really, really thoughtful, uh, layout of everything for the first three pages. Uh, and then yeah. as things go, things tend to get a little more flat in terms of how they're shown on the page. Uh, it, it felt noticeable to me that the first three pages just seemed just to be really popping on all fronts. And then it just started to get a little more flat and a little more one-dimensional to me. Yeah, I would say... So pages three, uh, page three specifically, uh, I think is really great. Mm-hmm. The one with the elves and the kelpies and everything, I think it's really well done. And I mean, the assistants uh, used to be doing background details, so it's no wonder that the backgrounds are, are great. So that one is very good. I think page 10 is also, in terms of likeness, uh, one of the best ones, the likeness of Casca on it. Uh, very convincingly imitates Mira's style to me. Uh, I generally I feel like episode 365 uh, has a better art quality level than the following one. Uh, for 366, I would say page five is the one that I like the best. Uh, you've got Griffiths that's uh, half turned back towards Guts. I think his likeness is very good in this one. And I also like Guts at the bottom. I think that one's great. Uh, and yeah, those would be the pages I think are the best produced in the, this issue. Sure, I can change the topic to standout pages for you. <laughs> well, sorry, sorry about that. I just, Anybody else? I just kept going. Oh man, there, there were, there were quite 
a few like individual panels that I thought were pretty good. Like this is actually getting into one of my topics, which is that there's going to probably be fewer sort of standout singular pieces of artwork, you know, that like the two page spread of guts face leaves Mm. a lot to be desired. Like that's the type of illustration Mira would do, but it doesn't pop like he would have made it pop. Mm -hmm. Like, Another example I had of that was the the one of Guts swinging, like after he's you know he's you know for some reason just slamming the ground with the Dragon Slayer, not hitting Griffith, and at the end you there's just a one page shot of him swinging, and it's an adequate looking shot of him swinging, but I'm not sure why it's a full page shot because it's not like it's not that impressive. It doesn't stand out. Like it looks like a shot from a you know a page from Berserk. But in the past, I think that would have been like an A plus, like glamour, you know, illustration of guts that Mira would do for us. And there it just is like, eh, it's good. It's adequate. Mm-hmm. You know, it's on, it doesn't have the same. Yeah. Impact. You know, yeah, it's on point. Yeah. So I think we're going to, you know, over time, it's going to become more and more noticeable that it's like, oh, yeah, it's never going to reach those those heights. It's mm-hmm. not going to reach those places anymore because they don't have like that superstar anymore doing it mm-hmm. i guess a, a a pager section that stood out to me that i liked when i first read it was the two-page spread of griffith with his tear on page yeah, seven and eight that one stood out to me as well i i felt like that kind of started to get to where mira would have that moment where that tear just kind of dissolves and then he's looking very kind of stoically but there seems to be something in that expression that says something else, and I can't quite place it. And that, to me, had that kind of more close to what you Mira notice. It uses where- that sort of twinkle effect that I don't think has ever been uh, utilized in Berserk before. Nope. So that was an oh, interesting because yeah, yeah. that was like it. W- I think it's very good looking. That one is a standout. That's like probably the standout two pager to me. But at the same time, I'd also like. Griffith's face is kind of plain and flat in all these shots. He's not nearly as expressive. And I think that's going to be another factor that, like, that looks like Griffith. That's a good rendition of him. But, you know, the people that complained about, like, Mira's art style evolving or, like, oh, I don't like Griffith's face anymore. I don't like this character's face. Their faces changed all the time because they were also very expressive. Like, there was a lot of storytelling going on in their faces. And I think, like... So people might be like, oh, they're more, you know, they look right more often now. They look on point. You know, something like that could be said. But I think they're also – it's going to be that flattening out effect where it's like, yeah, but they always kind of look the same. Well, for me, I think Farnese's face uh, had a lot of that problem towards the end of 366. Her face was not really emoting in the way I was expecting it to. That was my problem. Well, it's also – it's also the fact, you know, it's a work of six different people. Right. I wonder what their rules are, like their style guides, you know, and things like that, like the practicalities. I'll take 16, you take 14. This guy takes 12. <laughs> yeah, it seems, it seems he has two leads, uh, Kurosaki and another guy, and, uh, and the others probably are some guys that specializes in background detail. <laughs> I'm still the assistant, uh, he's saying. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's a bit like that, but it's true that it gives, like, for example, on page two uh, of uh, 366, uh, if you look, so that page is pretty bad. Uh, but if you look, like for example, I, I must mention that Gut is slamming the ground, 
he's slashing Griffiths at the wrong angle. Like Griffiths <laughs> is standing in the wrong direction. And you haven't face... mentioned that before. That's no, I'm kidding. Yeah, <laughs> his his face looks like a Griffiths impersonator too. So it's like yeah. Oh no. <laughs> and then and then you look at Guts at the yeah. at the bottom and. Yeah, it's it's not the same guy drawing it. Like it's not at all the same face, and the likeness isn't very good. And so you can tell it's a it's another dude who do, who did it. And it, which is you know, again, it's. I mean, they're doing their best. They're splitting the work between them, but you can tell because. Go ahead. I wanted to add that, like I I understand that the details matter, uh, and we all expected details to be different because it's a different team. But the, what I wanted to add on top of all that is that. Uh, all the details add up to a feeling. And, and to me, that feeling yeah. often didn't stack up of, to what I wanted from a Berserk episode. And that's something I don't think I could have predicted. You know, because if you had told me last week, it's going to look a little different. This is Walter from the future telling Walter from the past. The art's a little different. I would be like, yeah, so what? The art's a little different. You know, what I wouldn't have known immediately is that all those little differences stack up to a, does this still feel like Berserk to me? You know, does this still feel like... Mm. Guts and Griffith doing these things to me. And like, that's where the, the core of the dissonance lies to me. Not that it looks different, but that it, in, it all in adds individual up panels. Yeah. It does yeah. like certain panels, sure. certain parts of panels. It's like, Oh yeah, that looks like, you know, the, the, you know, the style is right. The models are on and but you know, when you add it all up, there's enough difference that it doesn't, it doesn't quite get there. It's a storytelling, I think. And gr- what Grail said uh, really echoes my own sentiments which is the impact it has. Uh, when I read these two episodes, honestly, I, I told Griff and he was like, he even didn't believe me at first, but mostly I felt apathy, uh, which is great given that this is one of the, like, the major climaxes of the entire story. You're supposed to be like riveted and everything. Uh, but I was like interested in it on an intellectual level, but emotionally, I don't know, it didn't move me. Uh, if that makes sense. He just, it didn't move me, whereas before any episode would send me into almost a frenzy. So I think it shows that execution goes a long way in creating that emotional bond, that connection, and the deep impact on the reader. And it's something, uh, like in the tributes to Mira, everybody kept saying he had like overwhelming drawing power, a huge impact, it's a shock reading. And I always felt like, yeah, okay, it's a bit of an exaggeration, but actually... Reading these two episodes, I was like, you know what? These guys actually were right. Uh, I'm not feeling that same uh, blow in the face when you read it on the page. I don't know if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. No, it does. Yeah. Yeah, I had the same reaction. I think I said so in the chat was that I had just like a, not a frowny face, but just a (laughs) flat mouth, smiley face was my feeling coming out of these episodes like immediately. And, you know, this is Gus versus Griffith. This is something that we've all wanted to see for a long time. And many people have wanted to see for a long time. And I know fundamentally, I shouldn't walk away from those episodes with a, you know, face. To to flip and give the benefit of the doubt. This also is just, you know, the beginning. This isn't, you know, this isn't the Guts and Griffith ultimate confrontation. Just as we've seen them, you know, sort of come face to face before. And maybe this is just... uh, But... Hill of Swords, yeah. Guts moves to strike a Griffith, Zod intercepts. So something is something was promised to be delivered, and it was delayed, right? And Vertanus, they were oh, too far apart. Oh, this was a uh, Chekhov's right Dragon Slayer strike. 
<laughs> sure. <laughs> this is the delivery of that promise. Those dragon slayers coming down to your face. Does, That's where the episode ends. And the episode picks up. Do you think it was silly the way Griffith with, was sort of hiding in the corner of the page at the end of 365, like, yeah, like underneath the dragon slayer, like making a face? Yeah. I can't help but laugh at that. Anyway. It's very yeah, un Griffith like. I mean, Can I take another topic? Am no, I, go ahead. It was go a ahead. long one. Uh, Force Ghost Griffith. How do we feel about. I don't feel like this is a separate topic. (laughs) I think we're going to, (laughs) yeah. There's one thing, one more thing I wanted to say just before that, if you don't mind, is that what Griffith said is just the beginning. This is still two episodes. uh, And a lot of people told me they felt like nothing happened Mm -hmm. in these two episodes. And I think that's also not something you can just discard. Oh, yeah. More happened at the end of Rutanus when they just looked at each other than happened. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. People used to say in Japan, I I saw somebody say that, that uh, it's actually a mangaka. I forgot what manga he's working on, but a pretty famous guy. He used to say, one episode of Berserk is like one Tanko Bone from another series where it's so dense Mm. and packed with stuff. It's Mm. like, you know, a a lot's going on. And here we got 35, 36 pages. I'm not sure. And, and it's just, yeah, okay, not, not so much goes on. So I feel that's also, you know, way Tempo dies, how it's uh, diluted uh, as a story. But sorry, that's just me digressing back to the phasing of the Dragon Slayer. Sure. Well, I think it, it, I, could, I could tie a bow to, that connects these two things, and that is the episode would have had more weight despite what happens on the page with the ghostly, you know, going through an immaterial part of Griffith. If there was some kind of dialogue exchange, even an internal monologue, yeah. I think yeah. would have gone a long way yeah. to making this moment matter for Guts. Because all we have instead, uh, in lieu of any words from Guts or in his head, what we have are his expressions. I also think it would have been much it. clearer what was happening. Whereas here, yeah. it's like mm-hmm. there's sort of there's a lot of vagaries, and all we yeah we have Guts expressions, and we have literally like. three or four shots of like exclamation points and question mark thought bubbles that he's got going on. Right. Whereas I feel like as Berserk fans, at least for me, I feel like, you know, if Mira had worked on this episode, we would have gotten much more of a reaction for the boy transforming into Griffith and how that is making guts feel. A lot more would have been said in a lot less time. Like, just like, you know, as said, it would have all, it would have been super densely packed every page with tons of information. And here it was like, it was a lot more spread out. It was a lot more, it feels like, I guess, real estate or time wasted with, you know, a lot of guts swinging around where it's like, I don't think, you know, Mira would have spent, you know, half a dozen pages on that. Right. Yeah, there would have been a kind of development, yeah. I think. Whereas the first swing uh, opens the argument they're having, right? I'm going to go th- now. This one goes through him. Well, what develops from this? Technically, nothing until Zod arrives. The way the action actually goes. Yeah, guts just swings and swings. And to to your point, I don't think the because when we say internal thoughts and monologues, people might think, well, it wouldn't make sense for guts to like have a long monologue internally while he's swinging. I think with just a few words. Mira could have conveyed a lot of information, just like he did on the Hill of Swords and in other occasions. And when you look at the page of God Swinging, we've got like a hundred speech bubbles with nothing but painting sounds in them. Yeah, he's just like... <sighs> 
And I feel like if Mira, of course, of course, Mira would have done it better. I mean, that's kind of stupid to say, right? But uh, he would have something sparser or maybe integrated the, the sound effects into the artwork and not just using the speech bubbles on top of it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think you're supposed to be feeling his desperation. And but yeah, a word or two, a a, a, a phrase would have gotten more effective, I think. Yeah. In addition, and maybe to some expression of his frustration. I mean, you mentioned before the yeah. promise of you know that swinging motion in Zod intercepting it back in like 181 or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And before that, Guts was thinking about you know Griffith and how when he was standing before him, he literally used the line, "Where my sword can reach him." You know, and so I would, exactly. you would think he would, in his mind, be reconciling with the idea, like, why can't my sword reach him right now? You know, so, so something like that, mm-hmm. you know, but again, that would be, that's something that's very, a subtle variation that we're seeing here. It's a big deal that his whole quest uh, in lieu of, you know, other than Casca, is to plant his sword in Griffith's head. And, and these explanations may come. You no, know, there, there should be a reaction. Yeah. I said these explanations Sorry, may come, but it's just, it, it, the way yeah, it was sure. handled here, it wasn't, it wasn't even like set up. It wasn't touched upon, yeah. you know. This is something that we talked about during the rereads, but Miura was always an expert at infusing uh, emotion and explanation into the action, and I think that's what was just missing here. Mm-hmm. That's that's mm-hmm. yeah, that's for it. real. And I can't help but think about what Maury said and and the, the staff said as well. Is that they wouldn't add stuff or flesh things out if Miura if they didn't know for sure what Miura intended to do. And it might just come down to them not knowing what Gus would have thought. And so they decided to not portray it, which is admirable in its own way. But at the same time, as we've discussed before, it also becomes a flaw in the story because you can't have a story where big chunks are missing without that story being weakened. That's that's just inevitable. So it becomes like it becomes hobbled uh, due to that. And I, I kind of wish they would say in more detail and more precisely like what they intend to do, what they, what they won't do, what their limitations are, because otherwise we're left a bit guessing as did, did they not do this because they're like not good or did they not do this because they didn't want to do it because yeah. they didn't want right. to do something that wasn't canon. So right, was Maury holding himself back on those uh, guts? Because he doesn't want to yeah. put in what he thinks guts is thinking if that's all he's got. Yeah. Was this a bunt or was this a full <laughs> swing? I don't I don't know. Yeah. And there's also, I mean, besides that, there's a fact, like with the little dialogue we get, uh, Puella, who cares a lot about dialogue and especially the elves dialogue, she told me that she felt the elves and especially Puck uh, didn't feel right that they spoke like humans instead of like elves. Mm. And might be an indication, so it's, it's not much, but it might be an indication that sticking to minimal dialogue is for the best. The, the, yeah, they're not going to be able to capture, like, okay, uh, you know, the different dialects, the way Skull Knight talks versus, you know, various other characters, yeah. you know. Even even small stuff, like instead of Puck saying something, something is coming, he, he would just say, like, something, three dots is, and have a look on his face. And it's some, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to explain. It's not something you could copy just by looking at a page where Mira did it. You would, you yeah, would have exactly. to have the same it's knowledge just, he had. 
Yeah, and the same way of thinking, the same way of, of writing things. So it's, it's again, something that's very tough to, to reproduce. And that, that may be why they're uh, very careful in how they handle the dialogue, basically. Mm-hmm. So you said something about how it's kind of a flawed... It, it creates a flawed and hobbled story when you have these, you know, these things missing, these pieces missing from it. Mm-hmm. And I guess my observation is sort of like... That's that's what this is. I mean, it's a flawed, hobbled berserk because yeah. it's without it's it's actually without its author, you know. So it's like we can't, you know, it's it's not going to get any better, <laughs> I guess, with time. You know, those those aspects yeah, it could probably only that, get worse. Yeah, I see exactly. That's the thing is that this is what they are, must have had the most information about, and so the question is, and we, I think we must wait and see what the next four episodes are going to be like before we can make a judgment. But the thing is, after that, will they be like skipping huge parts of the story? Uh, will they be showing things in a very minimalistic way because they, I'm not sure of what the characters would say? It's uh, Honestly, I feel like they must be under enormous pressure. Uh, it must be like it's, it's an insane project for them to, uh, to have taken up. So... Uh, my thoughts are with them, but mm-hmm. uh, my thoughts are also with the end result as a Berserk fan, <laughs> and I'm worried of how it might uh, develop, I guess. Or, or devolve. I'm worried not so much. <laughs> yeah, not so much worried, but uh, I'm just, uh, yeah, wary of what, what might come of it. It may be too soon to say, but um, if it continues like this, I would almost have preferred... Uh, just an art book with um, Maury's notes explaining the rest of the story. Yeah, that's kind of. Uh, I, I I think it's going to be like until until the end, until it's finished. There's going to be that kind of back and forth between some people who are like, well, it's it's a manga. Berserk is a manga. Mira would have wanted it to be a manga, and the best way, even if it's flawed, even if it's mm. hobbled, like we said, the best way to still convey it would be through manga and not through like writing. Uh, it's, I think it's going to be, I think there's not going to be a definitive answer. Personally, I'm, I'm fine with them doing it like this, even though it's like, I can find a thousand defaults in it. I'm fine with them doing it like this because I also think just describing what Mira told Mori, uh, like in a book or an article or something, eh, it also wouldn't be that great. You know what I mean? So, well, yeah, I know, but I mean, yeah, to me, I, I, know, I think I, I said like... it before, but this is like more is more, even if it's going to end up still being flawed in the end, it's like, we're going to, as long as they don't go crazy and it's like, Oh shit, we better start filling in the blanks, you know, <laughs> like then, uh, you know, we're going to get the most information possible in this long form format. I, I mean, I get, that's what I'm telling myself anyway. Go ahead, Gubs. I, I actually forgot what I was going to say. Sorry. <laughs> no, I, I guess I've, there's an aspect where some people, I, I've seen some people on the forum say uh, they would prefer it the purest way possible to, to just have Mira's words and nothing else because otherwise we are seeing it through the lens of interpretation. And even if it's uh, people who knew him and who had an understanding of what he wanted, you're never quite sure if it's exactly what he would have done. And I guess that goes back to the phasing effect that Walter mentioned uh, we know that Griffiths can't, t- uh, Gus can't touch Griffiths, but the qu- a question I had personally is, is that depiction of it 
what Mura would have done, like that phasing through Griffiths, like he's an hologram, or would Mura have done something, I've shown it differently, like for example, what he did in Shet with the arrows, where the Kushans shoot the arrows at Griffiths, we see a, a white flash, the arrows have gone through him, he's standing there untouched, and everybody's baffled. And I feel, personally, I felt like while I was reading that these episodes would have been much more effective if we had seen the same sort of white flash well, effect and then guts. I think yeah. you mentioned in the thread there's confusion about the way it's depicted, too. It's not just that it's a choice. It's also kind of a little bit confusing in the execution, like where it looks like guts is swinging like straight down on, you know, Griffith. And as you say, like the angle is weird. And then in the next shot, it's like, did he swing through him? He wasn't swinging in a way yeah. where he would have, but now Griffith is behind him. So is Griffith moving? Uh, you know, it's not 100% clear. And that's something where I think we would have 100% clarity if Mira was drawing it. Griffith's got Super Saiyan moves now. <laughs> He's got instant <laughs> transmission, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> that's a good, that's a, yeah, that's a great point. Is that on, on that shot, you don't know how Griffiths managed to get behind him and, and Gus looks surprised. Yeah, you know, it's like, and it's like, so, is he surprised because he went through him or is he surprised because he swung down and now Griffith is out of the way and behind him? And so, like, that changes completely the depiction of what's happening. That, w- that wasn't clear to me at all that there had been a movement. I just knew that he swung and he went through him and he was surprised. Right, and then, but that. then you yeah. can see Griffith standing behind him and it's like, whoa, okay, I don't know what's, oh, I don't know what's happening. That's not good. <laughs> and, <you know. laughs> well, all... Also in Shet, and in multiple times, whenever Griffith uses a power like that, uh, it's usually off screen. You know, you're not, you just you're not see seeing like a white panel, and it surprises and baffles. And to me, it's always meant to show that his power is beyond comprehension. It's like it's such a power move that your eyes can't even trace it. Basically, that's how I always mm-hmm. saw it. You see, Silat and the Tapasa are stunned as well. They don't understand what they just yeah. saw. You know. And to see it so literally happen here, it's just like, oh, was that all it was all along? Was it the things, objects just passed through yeah. him? It just seems such a literal interpretation of what was before, a very crazy mind well, That's the thing. thing. I mean, Amir, I think this is something he understood about storytelling, where he was keeping this mystery alive and it made it something bigger in your mind because yeah. you didn't know what was going on and you couldn't comprehend yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, once you show that like, oh, you know, he's doing some weird little phasing thing, <laughs> you know, it's like it's, it suddenly makes it very sort of plain and only as interesting as it looks in illustration, which can be like, oh, well, that looks kind of silly, you know, or it looks okay. It's like when we, you know, Rakshas, we didn't really know how his body worked and then it was eventually revealed and that made it really interesting and significant. But also once it's revealed – I no longer felt the same way about Rakshas as like this, you know, menacing, mysterious verse. But that was fine because that was that was supposed like that time was over. Now we, you know, we lifted the curtain, you know. So this is more like the smoke. <laughs> kind of. yeah. no. Oh God! It's, it's oh actually, man! It's a, it's it's a, a computer really example <laughs> because it's like it's like monster movies. Uh, a good director yeah. knows that you should not show the monster too much. You should always be in the dark, in the shadows, unseen. Because when you actually see that it's a guy in a rubber suit, it just looks so silly immediately. Exactly. And, all. and the same thing, <laughs> yeah, the smoke monster, you, you watch last uh, TV series. Yeah. Uh, the, the pilot is great. The first, I don't know, four episodes. And when you see it's just some kind of shitty CGI smoke, you're like, what? What the fuck? This, this is the thing? <laughs> and it just becomes ridiculous. Uh, and it's kind of the same thing here where maybe if Mura 
had been depicting it with his level of mastery, like visually, it might have looked amazing to see the sword pass through. But here it's, eh, eh, like you said, plain. And so uh, it, it falls, at least to me, it falls flat. Yeah, I didn't... I didn't bat an eyelash when we saw what happened on top of Ganeshka. The way that he intercepted Skull Knight's strike was like fucking cool looking. Yeah. I'm like, oh, wow. That looks amazing. Well, even then so we cool. see like what the aftermath. We see him like wielding it mm-hmm. basically. Like we don't, you know, yeah. we don't see like the sword phase in that, his head or here's something. The problem. Is that what's happening? I don't know. You know? That's yeah, the thing. it does I, leave I, I uh, yeah, it sure. leaves a little uh, interpretation and mystery. It makes sense. It makes sense that what we're seeing is an extension of that, but it looks so different and so plain that I don't, I don't know. Mm. I mean, I assume that's what's happening. Yeah, my guess. So my guess for the power for Griffiths being untouched is it? Uh, is that it's specific? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Is it, is it? Is it basically just like the Flintstones when Fred runs out of the room real fast and you see like you see like the dust version of him left behind? You know, I mean, is that what we're seeing here? <laughs> is it that bad? I think, uh, yeah, sorry. So, yeah, I, I, I lean towards the specific powers and he can activate when he wants versus a, a permanent thing that's always there. And it would be kind of a field that distorts matter or even reality. Uh, it could even be tied to the maelstrom that Shuriken find as a witness. But the point is that, yeah, it would be akin to what he did in Shet with Yaros to the way he warped the Skullite's uh, attack on top of Ganishka. And even up to his gravity style attack during the eclipse, because that's like he's manipulating a magnetic field or whatever you want to call it. Uh, and he's able to manipulate reality like that. And that's, how to say, that's coherent to me versus, uh, yeah, just being a hologram and stuff pass through him and he kind of phase through, which, which seems a bit different. So I'm actually quite curious to learn more about how it works, this power mm-hmm. of his, basically. Yeah, when I first saw that swing go through, um, I think it, to me it kind of immediately sucked the tension out of the scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and then we see more swings like that throughout three uh, three hundred sixty six, and I was just like, okay, you know, I just didn't do a lot for me. <coughs> uh, and what I was wondering then is, is it the action or the portrayal that are getting in my way of you know appreciating this is the development between Guts and Griffith? A little bit can't. of each, I think. I think it would have been a lot more cooler, a lot cooler. If it was a bit more abstract, like you didn't yeah. see any of that like little ghosting effect. Like what if, you know, you see guts start to swing and the next thing you see is the dragon slayer, you know, past the point of Griffith's head, just kind of there. Yeah. And Griffith, you know, not even his hair flowing in the direction or anything, just standing still, completely unfazed. And it's just not. It's just like holy shit, how that happened. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I agree with it. It's a, it's a bit what I said earlier, but basically not showing the effect and just showing Guts' face, like the incomprehension, the shock, and while Griffiths is just looking at him like, yeah, so what are you gonna do now? And um, yeah, I agree. It would have probably been more like impactful. The other thing while we're on this yeah. topic is uh, just is is everyone clear on like the hair? Like the little hair that he gets, like that—that—that's another weird variable to me. That's like, well, wait a minute. So did he kind of? Did he? Did he just barely get him? <laughs> like, 
Right. Yeah, I think, I don't know. I think you're going to read that a number of different ways. I saw different interpretations ranging from this is a confirmation that he can hit him to, I mean, my interpretation is right. that's all it, he you could, could do. You could see it was, either I mean, is like, this is how fruitless it is or, oh, there's the, there's the hope yeah. for the future, you know, like. Yeah, if only he was made of hair. <laughs> he practically is. I mean, they... <laughs> Mm-hmm. Honestly, I mean, so some so there was a, an interpretation where people are like, the dragon slayer hasn't poured up enough to damage him, so he can only cut a hair, and <laughs> that doesn't feel right to no. me. I, I mean, I can't know if that's correct or not, but I don't think he Gus needs to plunge uh, his sword into ten thousand more uh, evil ghosts before he can damage Griffiths. Uh, that seems a bit, yeah. That doesn't. He's got to g- stick it in that blue barber water so he can give him a full haircut, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. So, yeah. I, I mean, at first, I even, you know, when I first saw uh, the first pictures, I wasn't even sure it was a hair and not just an effect of him passing through. Uh, it does look like a hair. To me, what's interesting about the hair? The only interesting thing is whether after Griffiths leaves. They find that the hair has reverted to a long black hair. Ooh. And that's like, it's actually the, the boy underneath. You know what I mean? Like, if you write the vessel, the, femto, the boy yeah. is actually the real thing. Yeah. And so that would be like uh, massive to me as an indication. Of, oh, wow. That is cool. I hope they go that yeah, way. Well, that's, so to me, that's like the only reason to have a hair be displaced like that. Uh, whether it's cut or just detached from his body by the, the the swing, but yeah, the only reason is to have uh, that kind of thing. Because if it's just to show that he could uh, cut the hair, eh, you know what's what's really the point? I guess I'm I'm not. I don't know. It doesn't blow me away, but uh, that would be cool to see it turn back into the. As will be subtly undermining the new berserk by coming up with like better theories than what they'll actually do throughout the run. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> get ready. I mean, they're, they're supposed to. Yeah, I was just saying, get ready for disappointment. Going <laughs> more disappointment going forward. Yeah, it, it is supposed to to stick to Mira's ideas, and uh, Mira Mira's better than me, so I'm, I'm not. Well, that was the thing that. before: is like whatever you could come up with, you know, any of us, we always knew, you know, Mira was going to surprise us and exceed our expectations, and now, yeah, we don't know that. <laughs> Yeah, mm-hmm. true. And on the flip side, yeah. it's also easier for me to be, you know, it's easier, you know, I wouldn't say, well, I know more than Mira, you know, but I could, I might be entitled enough to be like, oh, I know better than these. Mira wouldn't have done that. And, you know, that's still wrong. These chumps. But, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's, you could feel that way more easily and more protective of it now as, as like somehow it's my well, thing. <laughs> speaking of that, uh, we see Casca's talisman breaks. Uh, the, the necklace she got from Flora, which is interesting. Uh, Femto's power or Griffith's power is so strong that it breaks it. Uh, but we do not see the seal on the Berserk armor being affected while God is closer to, to Griffith and why it's also something Flora did to protect against uh, evil. So I thought that was curious. Uh, I feel like it would have been nicer to get a little it would have been like one panel showing that before yeah exactly and so with everything that's happened to Gat and Yamo recently uh, like the fact his senses are getting really fucked and and so on and so forth I feel like the seal losing effectiveness would mean very big trouble for him 
So it, it would be an interesting thing to develop in the coming episodes because I imagine against Zard, uh, he's going to, the Amor's going to activate. So it might be the wake up call he's been needing. Mm. Uh, of course, at what price? You know, that's the question. Oh, if I could interject real quick just to elaborate because the seal being there is what protected Gut's soul from being eradicated yeah. by the armor. Right. Back in volume 26 slash 27. So yeah, without that, if he does transform, if the armor activates, mm. what then happens to Guts if the, the protective seal is no longer and there? And it's also, I mean, it's what protects him every time he uses it. Because we, on the beach, mm -hmm. yeah. when Shuke pulls him through the surface of the water, it's also through the seal. So it's not shown every right. time after that, but it's basically what protects his ego, his consciousness from just being uh, devoured by the art of the armor. So, yeah, if it were to be damaged and even completely broken off uh, while he's using the armor uh, activated, uh, I mean, he's at risk of, uh, yeah, just, you know, being destroyed, basically, it becoming uh, just a raven. We saw it in uh, Volume 26, the first time he used it, when Shirke found, like, those embers of his spirit, you know, being consumed. Yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. Yep. <clears throat> I'm going to pass the baton over to Gabolatula. All right. Well, uh, the thing I wanted to talk about most, and I think uh, some of you touched on it already, was uh, the writing and specifically uh, the moments between Guts and Griffith, uh, that whole thing. And... Um, Comparing it to their confrontation on the Hill of the Swords, my uh, when I was reading this, the first thing that stood out to me was their facial expressions <coughs> and the emotion. And uh, a, a lot of these little touches that Miro would do himself are part of the storytelling to me. Like, the visual storytelling is storytelling. And what all the grrr and the err, I'm so pissed at Griffith that Guts was doing in, in these two. Um, it's like, sure, on the surface, yes, uh, uh, Guts is pissed at Griffith. Everybody knows that. But um, what the Battle on the Hill of the Swords showed was it, it was it was a lot deeper than that. And there were a lot of faces, a lot of really unique faces that Guts made that it's it's like it really beautifully showed that guts is heartbroken over this guy and you know it's it's a whirlwind of stuff stirring in him and um yeah the lesson he took or you know the thing he said back then was like i i i almost i almost forgot to kill this dude when i when i first saw him incarnate yeah. in this new body. And, you know, again, seeing the boy transform into Griffith without a thought acknowledging that, you, you know, between uh, 364 and 365, like, it's like another betrayal. Yeah, you think he'd be horrified. It's like, it is. It is. Yeah, it's like... What the fuck was going on? What were yeah. you fucking with me, dude? You know, yeah. it's yeah, there's no acknowledgement of the boy in either of these yeah. episodes. Actually, yeah. it's it's like uh, it was clear to me that well, 
I don't know. I'm, I'm sure they'll address it later, obviously. Like, the, the most interesting stuff to me in these episodes was um, stuff with uh, Shirke and Farnese. Um, and, yeah, I really like the first three pages of 365 with all the Elf Island critters. Just, like, wondering what's going on. Mm-hmm. But, uh... Yeah, I think your question is, if there were writing, what might have been, you know, rebalanced in terms of what was, you know, not said between Guts and Griffith? How much more might we have, might have been developed between these two right. in this scene if there was actually dialogue in play? Right. I, I think, I, again, I can't help but think they didn't have that information. So what they did was, instead of doing a direct continuation... They actually, it's kind of a replay of what happened at the end of episode 364, where you see like almost all of 365 is restating what's going on. So we see the elves and their point of view. Then we see Casca come down again. Then we see Guts facing Griffith, those uh, two-page spread. Then we see all of that. And like you said, the boy is not featured at all uh, in there. I also think it's, honestly, I also think it's odd and that Guts would at least have... uh, like a, a moment of incomprehension. Yeah, like what the hell? Like, yeah, yeah. Nandato, you know, something stupid like yeah. that. Uh, before going on and being like, you've betrayed me again. Because like you said, it's not just that Gus is, uh, hates Griffiths. It's not like he hates him because he uh, stole his car or something like that. He's traumatized by him. He, he was like victimized, traumatized. He has fear, rage. He has a lot of, you know, very crazy emotions uh, for him, sorrow. Uh, so it makes sense that he's, of course, angry. And I expected him to swing his sword that first thing. But like you said, the lack of that, uh, any thought, any nuanced reaction on his face it's yeah it's kind of odd and, it, and you you miss it you feel that it's missing as a if you're a fan who's paid attention to the story you feel that it should be there and it's not yeah his his rage yeah. has to do all the heavy lifting for every emotion in that scene or every event basically his reaction to the boy you have to just say well uh that's why he's so full of rage when he's attacking Griffith. and oh casca <laughs> yeah. crying out oh it's feeding his rage uh, you know it's like that because that's the only that's all we get from him so we have to, yeah, everything has to sort of go back to that because it's limited to that. By the way, I have a question for you guys. Uh, two questions, actually. The first is, what do you think about the armor half-activating and then not? Oh, yeah. And the, and the second is, what do you feel about the flashback Casca gets when she sees Griffiths? Uh, she sees the sea god, the trolls, so on and so forth. So I'm curious about these two things, sure. if you guys can tell me. Mm. I, can I solve one puzzle real quick? Because I, I solved it as I was taking notes. Uh, I also had the pre- question about Casca's memories. Uh, we see the Sea God, the Cliffoth Escape, Albion, and the Eclipse. So why these is the question. And I think I reread actually uh, volume 39 to 41 last night just in prep for this. And like one of the things, one of the first things Casca says when she comes back is that her memories are still shaky. She remembers certain things and others are still clearly locked away. So the negative ones are all in the dark room, basically. Mm -hmm. But when she sees Griffith or senses Griffith, I think that door kind of trickled open a little bit, you know? And some negative emotions, negative memories came flooding out with it, kind of chained together is the way I kind of envision Mm -hmm. it. So they're not necessarily memories associated with the feeling of Griffith or Femto. It's 
just negative memories that she had in general that she had locked away. That's the way I solved that one. That's interesting. I think my first reaction to that was like, why isn't she having more memories of the eclipse specifically since they're tied to Griffith? But uh, yeah, maybe they were just trying to do something different or maybe the instructions from Mira were slightly different. And it did end with that. So it's like it was kind of leading there as it flooded back. Can I address the the seagull? Yeah, that was a, an odd start. The one and actually, started. like you know, when I first yeah. saw that panel, I thought it was you know the the apostle that bit Gut's arm at first, and then I I had to look oh. more clearly. I thought that was his mouth, and then I was like, oh no, wait, I see the black, you know, sort of clean, shiny top, like the sea god, not you know, like that turtle top that the other guy had. But anyway, the the weirder thing to me is the. The armor activation, which that's a great shot when you see the the sure. armor swimming up his back. That looks very classic, I think. Like it's like, oh wow, that looks really good. That looks very much like Mira's style. But then when then it goes away, and you kind of see it, I guess represented again in a completely new way, where we see his head in silhouette with a giant sort of beast eye over it, much bigger than when when we've seen Guts eye sort of, you know, represented as sort of being more beast-like. Like, so, yeah, what... I'm, I'm curious to get everyone's reactions to that as well. My reaction is that it looks really weird. It, it, it stands out maybe more than anything in here as, like, a, a completely different, you know, deliberate style choice. Yeah. Yeah, it's the, the weirdest one, and it's I don't have the first have page of 366 of me, but... to me. Well, to me, the weirdest one is when the top panel shows him with that beast motif with the eye, and then the middle panel, it's gone. And then, then the immediate next panel, that, that style is just gone. It's when he swings through Griffith's head for the first time. Yeah. It's like, well, they went with something, and then they pulled back from yeah, it. Yeah, it's like there's no it's payoff just, on that on that sequence. So it's just, is it just supposed to be when we've seen his silhouetted head and like a white eye before to show like, oh, he's he looks scary, <laughs> you know? Seem, seems to it's when he's holding R two when he's swinging you can use that power. <laughs> yeah, it's his, it's his seems to be, and I even think it might have just been a way for them to hide a messed up face. Like if they just didn't manage to do it well, they might just be eh, let's just black it out <laughs> and put the eye on it. Uh, that's me. That's that, as, I saw that's that in really the cynical, and I was man. Like, that's that's really <laughs> giving them not the benefit well, I, of the doubt. I just thought about it now, honestly. So maybe they like the can't even so is, draw, man. I mean, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the reason I say so is because of what you you guys just mentioned is that we see it and we don't see it and we yeah. see it again and we don't see it. Mm-hmm. And because otherwise, you could have an interpretation like the armor has gotten so strong that it's even taking him taking taking him over, even though it's not activated. And you could be like, okay, it's driven crazy by the odds uh, of the armor, even though it's not fully active because, I don't know, it just becomes stronger or the seal is broken or whatever, but it doesn't seem to be the case at all. And my, my first, just to give my first uh, and my still what's my interpretation of it is that it's half activating, Guts fights it off, and then uh, goes for Griffiths while just uh, still sane. And it's just him fighting enough. And I think it might just be that it's clumsily depicted, basically. Yeah. They didn't manage to mm. show it well enough. Because w- you see that he's sweating. You see that he's panting uh, really uh, loudly. It might just be him trying to like stay in control while fighting. 
Uh, and I think because many people were confused by that. And my honest thought, it is might just be like poor execution of the it's, same thing. I mean, what it comes down to is it's, it's just inconsistent in a way that we're not used to. When we see yeah. stuff like this depicted, it's usually telling a story with Gut's state of mind or his, you know, the state of his being. He'd either be transforming or fighting it off and maybe we'd get some internal thoughts to that effect. But here it's just like, as Walter pointed out, it's there and then it's completely gone for a page and then at the top of the next page, it's just back. And it's like, it, it, there doesn't seem to be any rhyme or reason to it. Yeah, that's also another thing is that when you see uh, Gut's face like that with the white eyes or black face, usually it's from the perspective of his enemies. And it's like they're seeing the berserker and they're seeing the, the guy that's, you know, it's scary guts. It's like when he comes back to, to Godot's house and uh, Erika sees him in the woods and she's afraid for a second before she recognizes him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But here it's, it's definitely shown from Griffith's perspective. And I don't think Griffith sees guts as a very threatening you know, person. I don't think like the black face and white eyes thing is very like... I don't think Griffith is impressed, basically, just like Femto wasn't impressed in Volume 3. So there's also that discrepancy, at least in my eyes, that this isn't the kind of character where you show guts like that, at least not in that scene and in such an inconsistent manner. I've been trying to draw a through line logically and uh, keep coming up against a wall. I was going to say it's from Griffith's perspective, as you already said. I was going to say when, it's it's when he's swinging, but it's not every time he swings. Uh, I don't I don't really have a, sol- a solution for it, really. Yeah. You know, the thing that another thing that bothers me is that the montage page where guts. I, I believe it's it's guts slamming thinking about Dragon Slayer and all the things he's busted up with it. It looks like yeah. he hits a fence or some like, wood. I'm not even sure where that is. <laughs> yeah, maybe a yeah. root or, or something. Like a tree. Yeah, it looks like, like a, a, a box. I figured it was a it's tree. A crate. I mean, honestly, it looks like a crate. Oh, crate. He's Gordon Freeman. With his, <laughs> <laughs> he's just breaking crates. <laughs> Sorry, but oh, it doesn't man. look like a tree, though. It's funny that they did this montage when they've dedicated, like, already... So many pages to showing him swinging and missing. It's like we didn't really need you to fit it all into here, too. Yeah, I think that page is less about the things. It's it's more about yeah his desperation. Like he's trying yeah. everything and he can't. And we we even have a little panel of the beast flaming like he did in volume twenty six as well. Where is it twenty seven? I can't remember twenty six. Yeah. I can't remember. You know what I'm well, talking about. Well, then it's about. also yeah. odd in the visual language of the story that the following page is that full page swing of him, you know, very deliberate looking. Mm-hmm. Usually that would be him doing something with extreme purpose. Like he's swinging yeah. to kill yeah. or, you know, he's delivering the final blow or it's it's a, a, right. a meaningful yeah. swing that he feels is meaningful. Whereas that would actually be the opposite in this moment. Yeah, and it would actually make sense for this page to have him with a black face and white yeah. eye. Because he's so uh, desperate. Because yeah. The pre- yeah, the previous one is his face. You see the beast flare up. Uh, he's striking, striking, striking. So it would make sense for this one to be him like losing it kind of a bit, but it's not. So, yeah. 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 Um, speaking of, actually, no, I'm not the baton holder. Gobs, you were the baton holder. I will pass it to the person to the right of me. <laughs> oh, hello. Uh, well, I wanted to pull it back a little bit with my discussion topic, which was about humor and Puck. Hmm. So 
obviously, because this is such a serious episode, it makes sense that Puck is in his regular form and not little chestnut Puck. Mm. But uh, the thought that came to my mind as I was reading and when I finished is that are they going to bring back chestnut Puck or is that sort of like untouchable now that Mira is no longer here to basically be the voice of chestnut Puck? And... Uh, you know, how is humor going to be depicted in the series moving forward? Because that was such a su- such a big part of the series. Of course, you know, you've got the big action scenes, you've got the big drama, but humor and the asides were also just part of what made Berserk mm. unique. And so, I'm curious to know what you guys think about it and how you imagine the how this interpretation could go forward without humor if if they were only to do it with Mira's notes. I think Isidro is going to come out of nowhere and spank Griffith on the bare ass with a, a wooden sword. <laughs> I can only hope. So, gotcha, sucker. With the palm print on his yeah, hand print on his ass cheek like Griffith, like Rickard did. Different cheek. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, that's a good question. I don't think, I think at this point it's really like we just can't tell. I also think it's going to be very, very difficult for them to reproduce that because like the levity was usually of a pretty high level, hard to understand for Westerners, but uh, you know it, it tended to tie to what was going on, to also be referencing some stuff in Japanese cultures that would make sense. Uh, so I don't know. They might do a, like a simplified version of it, but in many ways, like Puck with these little asides and all, all the characters as well. Uh, like the, the levity aspect was like really Mira's voice in the story. So I don't know if they'll be, if they'll have the balls to do it. I don't know if they'll have the chops to do it. Uh, I think even if they feature Chestnut Puck again, it's going to be like uh, a lot more simple stuff, like even simpler gags, simpler jokes. Uh, but yeah, like you said, it's a really an important part of the story to me and Unlike what people might think, even back in the Black Swordsman era, even during the Golden Age, uh, there's little jokes. I mean, in the Hundred Men fight, uh, Casca actually smacks Guts in the in the jaw and he bites his tongue because he's making jokes about her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This kind of stuff, it's like integral to the series. And it's also a way for it to not take it too seriously because, yeah, it's big bad guy and so on and so. But it's not like we know it's just a comic book, right? So. Um, yeah. Well, it also adds the human levity, like in the Casca example, you know, it helps humanize yeah. them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's also humanizing for the characters because, mm-hmm. like, even in desperation in real life, people make jokes, like gallows humor, that kind of stuff. That's the thing people do. So I'm also apprehensive about how it's being going to be handled uh, going forth. Mm. I think Chestnut Puck's going to start making a lot of Japanese re- wrestling <laughs> references. <laughs> <laughs> it would work. What's the opening? But uh, I guess in my view, I mean, there. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it was, you know, maybe almost phased out, like not completely. Like I think we'll still see Chestnut Puck, but maybe it'll just be perfunctory. So I guess in any case, it's going to be probably lacking <laughs> compared to before, <laughs> to put it, you know, vaguely. Yeah. It's the same. I mean, it's yep. kind of the same as we said with dialogue in general. Yeah. Yeah, same. I, I expect less of it. I, I do associate Chestnut Puck and what he says very closely with Mira's own personality and sense of humor. And so I think it would be weird to emulate it. And they might 
Atkins, I would say they might not even. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if it was just gone and Puck is now just like a straight character. Hmm. I think it's weird. I mean, I I say that having not known the future and not knowing how they feel about it, but like, try it sometime. Try to imitate someone's sense of humor and what they would find funny. I I don't think it would work. It would would have to be like Maury's sense of humor. It would just have to be like, hey, you know, like, you know, we're doing the author comments. This is like, yeah, Berserk had these little jokes in it. So we're going to keep that tradition alive. But, you know, we can't obviously, we can't do Mira's future jokes. So you're going to have to take mine for what they're worth. Yeah. There's also a thing which I think Grail and Gobs can comment on is that Mura was able to go between different styles. Like he would sometimes draw action scenes very rough. They felt like, you know, the, 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 what says, the drawing itself felt different. And then he would do cutesy stuff and Shuruke would have a cute face and Molda and so on. And, and it's a, one thing to be able to imitate based on what he did before and on what the assistants had themselves been helping with to imitate like the kind of realistic stuff. Uh, it's another thing to try to imitate the stylized stuff. And just because it looks simpler doesn't make it easier to draw. And I'll let you guys uh, say what you think on that. But I think it might also be difficult for them to, to do that stuff. Yeah. No, uh, I thought about that a lot too, because with everything Mira did, he always tried to convey things in the most entertaining way possible, I feel like. Mm-hmm. And really putting putting cutesy characters on a page doesn't mean that he stopped doing that. And so I feel like the way that Studio Gaga, where they're at now, I, and you know where Mori is now with trying to convey Mira's ideas, they're going to run into the same problem where stuff is just not going to land the same way unless they... I think heavily reference stuff that Mira has done in the past, like with the stuff with Puck on the throne and just really <laughs> like a bizarre, like stuff that maybe he even did on a whim. It's hard to imitate a whim that right. somebody had and yeah. just be like, you know what? This, this feels like the right moment to have like Puck try to usurp the throne and get arrested. <laughs> it would, it would have to be really insular and sort of berserk centric. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, basically an extension of whatever they're doing in the story. In a humorous yeah, way. So that's where I'm kind of like wondering myself, uh, just as a reader and being like, you know, where are they going to get to the point where they feel comfortable enough? If, you know, if that's within Maury's rules as well, just like, as you were saying, as we don't know what the rules really are outside of what he made in that statatement. So we don't no. even know if humor can, even if it has a place in this, which is the, really the day the humor died, you know, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm, I'm not ready for that, man. <laughs> no, no. I think the inability or the uh, – what's the word? They are forcing themselves not to do any improvisations at all Yeah, is what it sounds like. And to me, that – I don't know how you do comedy without improvising. Mm. You know, Not all good comedy works scripted. You're not always going to know what's going to be funny until you write it down. You know, that kind of thing. It's just – and that goes – that's wider than just comedy. But the, the lack of any improvisations or – you know, insights that might come as they write this thing. That's just, I don't, feels and really I, dark I also to, don't to think it's possible. It's like not even true. Like the, for instance, they didn't know like Mira would do a panel of Casca's foot coming down the steps the way they did it. Right. <laughs> he didn't leave a note or tell Maury, Oh yeah. And on this page, you know, so they're, they have to do <laughs> improvisations and they have to use their own ideas. So it's just a matter of you, how you, comfortable they're going to be extrapolating that into other things in the series. You mean to say that uh, Mura didn't leave a note saying that on the last page of 365, 
Because he's grabbing the dragon slayer the wrong way around. <laughs> maybe, maybe there was a post-it on Mori's desk. You know? He's yeah. like, hey, okay. I mean, <laughs> he's, uh, he's reversed his hand and uh, he's grabbing it in a his weird way. His thumb is now <laughs> on the other side of his hand. <laughs> yeah. And then on the first page of 366, his hand disappears and it's just the artificial hand holding the sword. <laughs> yeah. How about that baton, Grail? Yeah. Who hasn't spoken or who hasn't gotten their discussion section yet? Griffin, Griffin, <laughs> Griff, why don't you go? Well, let's see. Uh, so most of my topics, I think, already got covered on my short list. So I'm going to pull it back even further to, you know, a topic I was, you know, sort of obsessed with at first at this and is still wrestling with it on my own is, I guess, my own perception of this thing and what it is and you know i want to get everyone's two cents on sort of how they view this and how they plan to view it going forward if at all um and i guess i'll start with uh just how i'm internalizing it and taking it and whether i'm like i'm applying like the you know the soft prejudice of lowered expectations to enjoy it or if uh Mm -hmm. It's a little more charitable than that. I guess I'm looking at it like I'm not looking at any way the business side of this. I'm not looking at the publishing side. I'm not looking at the the pedestal side where it's like they're calling it Berserk. It's published in Berserk spot in Young Animal. It's going to go into the future volumes of Berserk. You could interpret this as if they found Mira as like, hey, here are his notebooks that were going to be volumes, uh, you know, 40 through 50 and just coloring them in with your own stuff, you know, (laughs) blasphemy, you know, there's that way of looking at it. Whereas I'm looking at it almost with blinders on, like this is a tribute from his friends, you know, trying to honor his work, you know, to conclusion. And so that, that's been part of my whole positive outlook, I think. Whereas, so I've been like all these things we've pointed out and all the complaints I've made myself on here, I'm kind of, hand-waving away, like, well, you know, yeah, that comes with the territory. It's baked into the cake. This thing is inherently going to suffer from not including Mira. So it does, I guess it doesn't bother me that much when it, when it, when I see it, you know, bear out that way. And so I'm just wondering if, you know, how everyone else is feeling and experiencing it and sort of how it's uh, hitting for you, which, you know, we've already touched on a bit, but, you know, if you want to just be, in a nutshell, go ahead. Well, I guess I can reiterate my, my views. I would be I would be not bothered by it if it had a like a distinction for the name, basically. That really is a, the sticking point to yeah. me. Yeah. I like like you said, I mean, I understand fully that it can't be as good as before. I don't expect it. I never expected it to be. I even told people not to expect it to be because they would be disappointed. Uh, so I'm fine with it as it is. Uh, like it's better than nothing, right? The the alternative to this is nothing because unfortunately Mira passed away and we can't get his version. Well, it's, it's actually better than I thought it would be. I thought it would be really like bare bones looking like compare. I thought it would be yeah. like, you know, like look completely different and like, I don't know, like a, like a shonen yeah. manga or something. Like, it, could, it, could oh, been, yeah. it could have been much worse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, to me really specifically the sticking point is that they're calling it berserk. They're saying it's like 365, 366 is going to be in volume 42. 
Yeah, that that uh, like I, w- I won't say it pisses me off because I'm not like angry or anything, but it does uh, displease Rubs me. Rubs you the wrong way, and I feel, yeah, like I like I say, I feel it's disrespectful, uh, disrespectful to Mura, disrespectful to to the fans. Uh, I feel like it would cause them very little to distinguish it with a subtitle. Uh, that people who are fans would still buy it just to know Mura's intent, and I feel like. Either way, would have like very little, how to say, uh, impact on the commercial level. So I don't know why they're not doing it, but I don't like it. I'm very much two minds of of two minds about it because, um, like as said, you know, it's you don't want to get your hopes up. You don't want to get excited about something that's not being produced by me or is being produced by the team and by Maury, and you just. For me, I really just wanted to take it in and and feel the the respect in the way they wanted to honor Mira. At the same time, you know, I, I found myself kind of getting excited on the day that it got released, just because that's how I was used to feeling. And you know, yeah. you get into these grooves. Like for so many years, I got into the groove of okay, the new episode is coming eventually. Oh, great, a new episode is being announced. Oh wonderful, the new episode is out, I can enjoy it with all my friends and discuss it and talk about it. And that moment when I pulled up the episode and got to read it, I felt like the rug was pulled out from under me and that feeling that I had been so comfortable with for the past 15 years, my God. And then it just just deflated when Mm. I, when, like you guys were saying, it just didn't feel right in some of those important moments and it was very underwhelming for me. So it's like, on one hand, I'm like, I totally get it. These guys are not Mira. Nobody is Mira. Nobody can reach that level of, of competency for this series. And then at the same time, it's like, oh, that, that didn't feel good to read. So it's like, oh, it, you know, I, there are a lot of emotions churning. And we, and I talked about this at our last podcast. It's just a lot. It's a lot to kind of take in and having believed that Berserk was over in the sense that there would be no more, con- you know, there would be no more releases following Mira's passing, mm. or rather 364, I should say, and that um, now that they're, you know, doing this continuation, it feels very strange <coughs> and sort of, uh, I feel sort of unmoored by it. Mm. It's treacherous. It's a treacherous new path they're carving for themselves, and that's mostly how I felt as I read this episode, and you know, and that it includes seeing leaks come through on my own Twitter feed as I was scrolling, uh, seeing one and thinking, oh, well, that's just fan art that someone's <laughs> trying to trick people with, like we did with, oh, no. with Griffith's 20 years later thing. Oh, they're just pranksters. Ha, 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 guys. This is the most official fan really art. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Zod's not going to appear right now. Come on. Who would do that? Hey, oh, you didn't think wait, Zod was going to appear exactly in, what? like, 180, man. <laughs> Hill of Swords. That's true. Wait, 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 he still doesn't belong. He still doesn't belong here either. Um... Yeah, to me, the whole episode was it was discomforting, I guess, is how I felt. Like, I wasn't in, super enthusiastic about it. Uh, I don't hate it, but it was just a little bit, like, on edge. The, with every page turn, I was a little on edge, you know, how they're going to pull this off. I do think that that's going to go away with time. And this is a, what we're seeing now as we're, like, at the tip of the sword as they start to, you know, as we start to see the kind of story they're telling and what cuts are going to be made, uh, I think we'll settle into that. I think this is probably the most uncomfortable 
part of the journey that we're on with this new team. Mm-hmm. Is how I feel. Yeah. So maybe we'll point. get used to it. Maybe I'll get used to mm. it. You know, it's also a matter of how long it will go on. <clears throat> I still don't think it's going to go on for years and years and years. I feel like three years, five years maximum. Uh, I think they're going to try to get it out the door. And, uh, and that's about it. I would be surprised and uncomfortable if they were like, it's a 10-year journey. We're going to do every volume we can. Well, actually, it's going to be 20 years, maybe. <laughs> yeah, Subscribe now. <laughs> well, that's the thing is because, again, just based on what Maury said, I'm just, yeah. For, for now, there's still a lot of uncertainty about, about all of this to me. Uh, Griffin, oh, pass yeah. to Aziz. Pass taken away. Well, I mean, we've already talked about so much stuff, including me, who didn't get the bad town, but still talked. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know. I guess I mostly have got points about the story left. Uh, observations on what the actual story told in, in these two episodes uh, were. So, I did find the maelstrom aspect interesting. Uh, in Japanese, uh, the word used for maelstrom is uh, something that means uh, a tidal current. Uh, and that does feel like something Mira would do uh, because it ties into the astral world with a water connection. And if you recall, when Shiroke first uh, introduced in Volume 22, she observes, she observes Griffiths from afar. She uses the body of a small bird to do that uh, in chat. Uh, that's because uh, otherwise her body of light, if she had been just in her astral body, she might have been endangered by the, the power around him. So I feel like this whole little scene is also a, a callback to that, to Volume 22. So to me, that's probably an element they knew Mira wanted to include. I found that interesting. I also found the light and dark aspect of his astral figure uh, very interesting. Again, because it's executed by someone other than Mira, it's, it's a bit hard to speculate based on it, but... We see that the dark part is being, uh, there's a kind of dark thing creeping up in his hair. So that's reminiscent of the transformation into the boy. And it's got a weird shape where the bottom almost looks like a, a set of smaller legs. So that might also evoke a kind of dual identity. But I also wondered if it, you know, there might not be a, a hint of Femto being underneath because, I mean, Griffiths is Femto, right? On the astral level, he's actually Femto. So I'm not sure how the connection between Griffiths and Femto would work otherwise. And I, I was curious what you guys thought about that because, uh, yeah, it's what I've been thinking about. Mm. Yeah, I was surprised it wasn't just Femto that she was seeing behind it to see that it was a representation of Griffith with his hair. Yeah, but I do think the dark, cloudy parts that we're seeing, you know, southern hemisphere of him on that page, you can see. I do think that's supposed to be a representation of, you know, his actual origins deeper in the astral world associated with the God Hand. Um, beyond that, I think the Maelstrom itself is probably a... Well, you can, you can a side effect of his incarnation. Yeah, the, they described it as a astral body of great size, effectively being squeezed into an incarnated form. So you have a lot of power in a small place, right? You can you can imagine how that might you know result in this you know whirlwind effectively around mm-hmm. him astrally. Mm-hmm. I like that it looked a lot like uh, when Guts was trapped in the uh, the Sea God, and the boy came to guide him to the marrows. Mm-hmm. Um, it sort of looked like that 
astral figure or, you know, mm. representation. A little bit, yeah. That's true. His body of light uh, in the water had the wavy hair yeah. as well. Yeah. <clears throat> I guess my only question about it is if the, the darkness we sort of see surrounding him is, you know, like, you know, like as was saying, is this like artists, you know, a different artist way of showing a contrast or, you know, yeah, I, I would tend to agree with Walter though. I think it's hinting at sort of the, the darkness underneath this figure. Cause it kind of looks like Griffith, but it also looks, you know, you can kind of see those menacing touches in the artwork. And I think, you know, the more we see Griffith yeah. like this, we'll get the reveal. Like, and I mean, I think it might be consequential. I was kind of talking about it, you know, in the thread there, one of like for, Shirky and the other magic users, him revealing himself as Femto, either you know physically or just you know in the astral, you know, uh, view of him is almost like a bomb going off, like in you know the wind, like Slan's arrival in Cliphoth or something. So you know that could mm-hmm. be that could that could be really significant in and of itself. Yeah, I guess the thought that came to my mind was when I first saw that is that I wonder what Shirke would have seen if he had been, I guess, I'm not sure how to describe it. If he had, if she had seen him as Femto, such as on top of Ganishka, I wonder what she would have seen if it would have been vastly different. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a good question. It's uh, it goes back to how it works. It uh, does Griffith transform as fe- into Femto, like a, a vulgar apostle. Uh, which, in my honestly, I would think would be a bit lame, or is it just something fem- more profound? Is it like I think it's like Femto transforms into Griffith, you know, <laughs> like as the you know yeah. the disguise. You <laughs> yeah, know? Ex- ex- exactly. And I feel like the the maelstrom of light and that whole effect is basically uh, him camouflaging himself. And one of my one of the things I speculated in the chat or in the thread, I forgot, is that maybe if Danan comes in and she's like she unleashes her own power. She might nullify that effect, and then it's like the facade cracks. Like he removes his mask, is like, ah, okay, I'll show you who I really am. <laughs> uh, so maybe not with that uh, cheesy voice, but yeah, the, the the point is maybe we will see a reveal because, I mean, we are on an island where we've got like the most powerful magic users in the world, or, you know, outside of the God Hand. Uh, we've got Danan, who's also a, a powerhouse. We've got the Skull Knight. We've got everybody. If we don't get like a, a bit of a veil lifting as far as Griffith's power, I mean, when are we going to get that it? That actually right? would be not... really interesting and sort of very classical if it was like forcing the demon to reveal itself, you know, kind of a thing, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Show your true yeah, form. Exactly. So, um, I mean, it makes sense as well because that's what happened on top of Ganeshka. Presumably... He had to transform into Femto to do what he was about but to do. But if it was like, it wasn't, yeah. you know, kind of altogether like his choice, if they just sort of like pushed it out of him, like, sure. you know, all right. And then, you know, and then, yeah, and then all the, the gloves, flowers basically. die, you know, or whatever, when, when he walks by. He's got to, to drop the pretense. He's like, you know, staying in this form all the time is fucking tiring. Ah, mm-hmm. Now I feel like myself. <laughs> I can flap my wings a little bit. It's yeah. like uh, unbuttoning your pants after yeah, a big dinner. letting the dogs yeah. out. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Homer Simpson, uh, <laughs> big dinner, his any belt, dinner, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> I do. I, Azil, you mentioned it, and it just, I just kind of was wondering. Skull Knight's not here yet. Danan's not here yet. This has all happened very quickly. But those people do have to appear on the scene. How weird would it be if they didn't? If Danan's like, <laughs> I slept in. Skull Knight's uh, like, I was uh, sleeping in too. Uh, 
<laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah, he did, they did leave him at the gravesite. Yeah. Oh, jeez. I mean, hey, he's, he's a right. skeleton, a man. Too. What does he care, you know? <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, I, I think, no, I think it would be, uh, it wouldn't make sense. I mean, it wouldn't yeah. make any sense. And, um, I mean, there's another question, of course. So, one thing is, we see Farnese Grabshire, okay, uh, which is a bit odd. I mean, it's, it's, it's unusual, at least, because Shirke, mm-hmm. th- th- she's, she doesn't feel like she's in danger. She's just observing what's going on. Farnese comes to her rescue, but, I mean, it's usually the other way around. So, that might have been <laughs> planned, but I'm not quite sure uh, who is done or If it why was, like, exactly. inflected the I way it, it would cool. have been. Yeah, and, and the dialogue is also very confusing, honestly, uh, because like the speech bubbles, some of, like they, they're all, uh, you know, how say attached together, but there seem to be different characters speaking. So it's not very clear. It's also, I mean, it's a little thing. It's really a nitpick, but when you're not sure what character is speaking, uh, in a scene, that's kind of, and I mean, that's the sort of stuff where you can expect Dark Horse to make mistakes. So I'm already dreading it. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, it's a bit, uh, that, that whole scene was a little bit confusing to me in what the intent behind it was, to be honest. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, sorry, what I wanted to say is that, uh, what about Zod arriving? Uh, that's not something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's amazing. We oh, yeah. haven't gotten into that yeah. yet. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not something that I expected, uh, because like, how we didn't know where Griffiths even is. Uh, because, uh, I mean, he left as a boy, he didn't tell anybody, so it seems to me to imply that Sonia is with him, uh, which is what allowed him to travel and locate Griffiths in the first place, and maybe uh, it also implies that this course of action was anticipated by Griffiths, who may have then told Zod to go get him as soon as, like, the morning would come, uh, and that way we'll explain why Zod arrived just after Griffith transformed, because he also comes in at right the, the right moment, right? But if we keep in mind that the boy usually returned before morning, maybe it's more complicated. Like maybe the fact it's not the full moon anymore in Skellig is what allowed Griffith to take over, even though it's still the full moon in the outside world, meaning that for Zod it would still be the middle of the night when Griffith left Falconia. And that might be supported by what Danan says in 364, that uh, it can last several days, like a full moon can last several days on the island. And as far as I can tell in 364, it's only one day that elapses. So sorry, it's a bit uh, long and complicated and not entirely clear, but I, I've just been thinking about how it could work, basically. No, oh, that's really helpful, actually. I think that, you know, first of all, yeah, I did not consider that Griffith's entire plan that I had envisioned in my little post, uh, all hinges on the boy happened to sleep in, you know, mm-hmm. it, that's really, it seems like a bad plan. Like what if the boy didn't yeah. sleep in, then the invasion couldn't happen. So yeah, it does. It's possible that Griffith told Zod, Hey, if I'm not back by morning, you know, try to find me via Sonia and that's mm-hmm. it, you know, or I'm back and no yeah. problem, but I don't know. And the thing is, it is curious that Zod's there. Yeah. And so, uh, with the text uh, at the end of the of episode 366, it kind of hints that there's more coming because it says a, a, a torrent of darkness is coming and so on. But we've got only four episodes left until the end of the chapter and the end of the arc. 
so it doesn't feel like a giant battle will be occurring. However, I mean, aside from that teaser, uh, I can't help but wonder, like, why Zod would need to intervene at all, because if he's just there to evacuate Griffiths, I mean, Griffiths, he, he can just fly off as Femto on his own and return on his own to Falconia, so... It's not like it's not entirely clear why anybody would come to get him in the first place. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm, of course. so like in the past on this podcast, I speculated um, the invasion, which everybody's been expecting, could occur in two steps. We could have uh, first, yeah, the arrival of Griffiths. He leaves. Then an invasion force comes. However, they do. We and it's not clear. And I guess in this way, maybe a confrontation could end. Like this confrontation between Griffiths and Gus could end with this chapter. And we could have another chapter within another arc, uh, which would be dealing with the invasion and everything else that's left to do on the island before characters leave. Because there's also tons of stuff left for them to do, right? I mean, I don't know what you guys think, but I don't feel like they could leave the island now. Well, if they did, it would either feel like, yeah, like you said, like we're missing things, like it's an abridged telling, or it was going to be intentionally cut short when there was, you know, so much. It would have been, you know, Guts and the group still had so much they could have done to prepare and they're not going to get the chance. And that's the point. But, you know, that would have to be conveyed a certain way for me to, you know, believe that's what happened or was intended. Yeah, because there's like some of these. Go ahead. Sorry, Aziel, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, with a character like Hanar, which was just introduced, with Shiruki and the Diamonds, with Farnese and her training with Danan, uh, Casca doesn't have, like, she hasn't learned any skills or gotten uh, special armor or anything that could uh, allow her to, like, hold her own in the Infantasia. All of these things seem to be, you know, missing a thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Some of, some of those developments, though, could occur on the road. Like, if imagine if Gedflin comes with them, just as an idea. Mm-hmm. Shirke could learn about diamonds on the road. Uh, not ideal, but possible. I don't think Danon's going to come with them, though. I don't see that in the cards yeah. at all. She's going to stay put, uh, if she can stay put, you know, regardless, or based on what happens on the island. Yeah. Um, I do think that the Apostles are here to wreck shit. I don't think they're just here to evacuate Griffith, but the question is how much actually can develop in four episodes. Yeah. Um, if I didn't know that stupid piece of news, I would assume that, you know, major, major shit's going to go down, you know, like floors, mansion yeah. type yeah. of stuff. Yeah. Well, one of my speculations actually in reply to your post was that maybe because everybody likes the first assumption, if it's not just an evacuation uh, and there's more troops and everything is that uh, they're going to be destroying the tree, like Diane's tree, right? Mm-hmm. And my mm-hmm. alternative thought was that maybe Griffiths doesn't care so much about the tree since the world tree is already out now. Why does he care, right? Uh, but maybe he wants to get rid of Gus and Casca uh, to nullify the problem with the, with the boy. Since the boy is taking over his body, if he wants to stop it, you know, the best way is to just kill the planet. Killing Guts and Casca now would be a good way to curtail the rest of the series, you know, in a tight manner. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the thing is... Griffiths can't do it himself, right? Because the boy would stop him. So he brings in the apostles. He's like, now I'm leaving. You guys have fun. And it's a way to, like, manage to get an average, maybe an average fight or something that's uh, that's on a shorter duration. At least, well, you know, if, that was, if, you were right, if you're right about this, Zod's going to die. Yeah. Well, I <laughs> yeah. mean, that's, yeah, that's a problem with this scenario. <laughs> 
Mm. It's a very uh, Bond villain plan. To <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I can't yeah. watch. I'm gonna close. I'm just gonna close the doors and assume everything went according to plan. What? <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. I mean, it's not. It's not perfect, and uh, I, I already agree full of that. But yeah, I mean, it's just. Basically, I'm, I'm not entirely clear on who it could work and, and be cool, uh, regardless of what's going on, with the knowledge that it's ending in four Well, well either there has to be that quick strike and escape, whatever it is they're doing, or mm-hmm. as we also surmised, maybe it doesn't, you know, the, the next four episodes don't have to be limited to the island, just because they're going to change, <laughs> you know framing of what's going on in the next four episodes with the new arc doesn't mean like you know, now we have to cut to something completely different and everything here has to end in the next four episodes. Mm. That end of a chapter usually is pretty scene changing. Right. Yeah. When a chapter ends, it's it's not usually a, a seamless transition. It's usually like a hard cut. Now we're in a new place with new and characters. New, doing and new, new writers. So it's like, you know, how are they, you know, handling this? Yeah. Right, yeah. And there's also always a possibility that they just be skipping stuff. Yeah. Like, they could skip. They could be like, we don't know what was planned for this part, so we're skipping it, and yeah, that's it. Episode 372, the final battle <laughs> between Guts and Griffin <laughs> and Falconia. Oh, God. <laughs> I do, just in terms of making Berserk feel big and let that crazy shit's usually happening and... Uh, the easy road is usually the one they never really quite get to in the series, unfortunately. Uh, I do think the tree falling would be a, a, a happening of major consequence for everybody on the island. Presumably, they derive their protection, the island's protections from Danon, and presumably, Danon has a connection to the tree. That's all presumptive. I don't know. I f- it just seems that way. Yeah, I but- feel like uh, the closest Go ahead. thing, like precedent for something fitting in this kind of window of four episodes is Ganeshka when he, you know, on top of Ganeshka, essentially, it would have to be something mm-hmm. like that. If it was going to end my here. Problem, my, my problem with like just a tree being destroyed and I guess Dan and dying is that it feels like a repeat of what happened at Flora's mansion, right? It's like, okay, the island is destroyed. Uh, all yeah. heroes have to flee. Uh, and then, okay, what's like, what's new? Is it what they've been doing? And it's just at some point, if we expect them to win in the end, they've got to start winning or at least not losing, right? So I don't know that, again, it, it goes back to this place being like the most fortified place they could possibly be at, where they've got super powerful magic users, they've got Danans, they've got the Skull Knight, Guts, everybody's there. If they still lose and everything's destroyed, it's like, hmm, okay, well, uh, I'm not sure who it's going to end uh, with a victory. Yeah, I'm not sure knocking on Falconia's door is going to go any yeah, different. Yeah, it's not because it's not like uh, Silat and the Tapasa are going to be to do more damage to Femtos and uh, get Flynn and the other gurus and the Volvaba mm-hmm. and, uh, and everything. So at some point you're like, hmm, they've got to be... And it might, of course, Zod dying feels like... Uh, like it's not going to happen here, right? But yeah, that would be premature, right? Grumble dying, no problem. Sure, he's got. <laughs> oh, I love he's it. Got it coming, and so that's that's the kind of stuff that feels like <laughs> maybe Griffiths leaves. You got uh, Zod, Grumble, and some morons coming in from the <laughs> crew. They get, they get <laughs> fucked up, and Zod is like, "Oh my god! Well, uh, I'll be back. See ya. See ya, guts. Next time, because." 
You know, let, let's imagine. Yeah, even that feels wrong, though, right? Like, to me, it's like he has this grand entrance. And then, <laughs> Did I mention like, I'm a secret coward? In two episodes. <laughs> well, yeah. let, let, me sh- let me give you an idea I had. Okay. Skull Knight drops down. Of course, he's got the buried sword. Slash is at Femto, uh, but like Zod intervenes, Zod takes a hit. Now we know Zod regenerates, right? No problem. Maybe with that kind of hit, uh, it's not going to be regenerating so well. So maybe, you know, because of that kind of a wound, he's like, well, I'll just, I'll be back in a sec. And, and he just fucks mm. off. Again, just, man, I don't know. It doesn't necessarily make much sense. Not saying it's likely, but uh, yeah, it's an idea I had. Maybe he evens out Zod's hair. I was going to say, you should give him a buzz cut. Get his other horn. Yeah. yeah. There you make, go. Him, make him look bald. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. Yes, that would be, I also thought um, about Zod, but that would be like emasculating to Zod. I can't, I just can't see sure. it, man. <laughs> Zod is just really, to me, a buzzkill at this moment. Because like, I absolutely want to see Zod versus Guts again. Of course I do. Now just feels really like the wrong thing. I, uh, to do I mean, it. Uh, yeah, go ahead. What I was... What I was really more interested in seeing, and I hope we still see it, is, you know, Femto versus Dan and, and, and the gurus and Shirke yeah. all ganging up on Femto. I still really want to see how, what would that power dynamic be like? That's really on On Zod being there, I don't blink at this because in my mind, it's like Guts and – I mean, Griffith and Zod are like – I'm not any more surprised to see Zod follow Griffith into a scene than I am to see like, oh, yeah, Guts has uh, – you know, Isidro with him. You know, it's like, it's just the way I think they're kind of a pair. So I never have that reaction. I'm not like, oh my God, it's Zod. I'm so excited. But I'm also not like, oh man, why do they have Zod coming in here at this, you know, time? This doesn't seem appropriate. To me, it's like Zod, he just always, he kind of just goes with Griffith. So I, I, mm. I just take him neutrally, I guess, is what I'm saying. Like when Zod shows up, it's like, yep. Griffith's here, and so now so is Zod. <laughs> They're gonna have to, yeah, go from here. Yeah. Zod's Griffith's number one fan. <laughs> He's his number one guy. <laughs> and I guess, like, if we think back to how they plan this, I would expect that Zod being there is something Mira intended. Uh, so there's got to be a good reason for it, right? And which is why I'm trying to find what that reason could be. <laughs> well, like I said, I mean, I almost just take it for granted. Like Zod, there doesn't always have to be a good reason for Zod to be around Griffith because he's always around Griffith. You know, he's he's just there. He's his bodyguard. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I agree in general, but it's because like it's on the island, so the island is supposed to be like hard to penetrate. Right. Uh, Zod is not supposed to be able to travel in the tree, like in the branches of the world tree by himself. I'd like to think he was hiding up uh, there for five. You know, he thought it was going to be, oh, he said it's going to be a full moon. And now he's like, oh my God, I'm starving and I have to shit so bad. He's just going to expel his bowels when he hits the, the ground. That's actually what you see. Yeah, you know, it's going to land sky. all over the puck. Like, ah! Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> something's coming. Yeah. Um, I do think, though, Zod is merely, you know, he's the, the window dressing here because presumably there'll be others. Mm. So the question is not so much what will Zod do. It's like, what is the Apostle's plan, if not to simply extract and go? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, that's the really the question. Honestly, like for there to be Apostles at all, I would, I mean, it sounds like to me, like the pl- plausible thing would be that Griffiths intended to, mm-hmm. intended for it to be the case. And that he, like first time the boy did something, Griffiths was like, hmm. Weird. Did I do something last night? Second time, he was like, hmm, he went to an Asdod. Uh, what's going on? 
And then he plans that the next time it happened, he would do something about it. And, and that's what we're seeing. And that would tie into the scene of him in his bedroom being like, oh, okay, as expected. Because that's yeah. what he said, as I thought. He just, the only mm-hmm. words he's thinking is as I thought. So maybe, yeah, he had a contingency plan in action for that. And that's what we're seeing here. It's just, yeah, I'm curious to see how it's supposed to work. And as for the elves, by the way, there was something that did bother me a little bit is, or I would say maybe a fair bit is that they continuously say they feel that something's coming, but they don't appear to react to Griffith's uh, sudden presence, even though it can clearly be felt uh, as shown by Casca's brand and by Shuke's reaction. So that's a bit contradictory to me. And I don't know, I thought more emphasis should have been put on the fact they're feeling that awful presence. And maybe then they're also feeling that something's coming, right? But between feelings that Zod is coming to the island and that Femto, a member of the God Hand, is on the island, I don't know. I mean, I feel like Femto would be a bigger That's deal. why I'm waiting for another kind of reveal on that front. Because you remember Shirke when she tried to make the psychic connection with Guts when he was fighting Slan? After her presence changed, yeah. you know, ever, all the, you know, they felt it immediately. And then she, it like created like lightning bolts in her mind, you know, like it was shocking. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. she was just like, she could barely handle it. Mm-hmm. So you would think Femto would be at least at that level, if not more so, especially considering he's yeah. in like the holiest of sort of holy places and he's the most evil of evil things. So I'm, I'm curious if that is yet to come, if he's going to be like surprise and transform and everyone's going to just like grab their heads and go, ah, you know, like this is hell, you know, all the, all the creatures connected to that place. Yeah. I mean, I would expect it, especially since elves are supposed to be able to feel these things and we see Puck do that. So, I mean, it's another thing to choke up to the, uh, the maelstrom of light and dark and uh, maelstrom of maybe. darkness potentially the torrent of darkness yeah yeah which is maybe camouflaging something or yeah, doing whatever so yeah curse to see how that's going to develop well but how do we know how definitive is it that what they're responding to isn't femto well they, they keep saying uh something's coming so yeah, the last line, page three, is says they've penetrated. Yeah, here they've penetrated. Yeah, and they say like outsiders, basically people from the outside, mm-hmm. frightful beings, or a frightful being from the outside. Mm-hmm. So to me, that could still be Femto. I mean, he's already on the island, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, the the tense and the plurality of that seem to be. I'm I'm reading Puebla's translation. Yeah. Beings, plural, 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 right? Coming, and then they said they've penetrated. Mm. Uh, I don't know. To me, I, I think it just, this could be read as femto. And that's what they're reacting mm. to. And because it, it's later that Zod gets there. You know, later Zod penetrates the branches of the world tree and goes straight and, down. And, and, and Puck what? again goes, like he says, you know, I feel something. Something's coming. Yeah. Mm. Well... That, to me, that makes the most sense in the flow is this 365 is about Femto having arrived on the island. You know, he reveals himself through the transformation. And then later at the tail end of 366 is when Zod. And at the very least, Zod yeah. proves that it's, you know, whether it's only him or him and Sonia, it's not just Femto that's there or that can get there now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I agree that it's what would make sense. It's just that it's. Uh 
I guess he's not, I don't know, maybe not clear enough or not... Yeah, yeah, you know, list. yeah, yeah. I mean, I can't. Yeah, I guess I should just shouldn't complain. Maybe he's on the season. Can we talk about <laughs> this uh, forks and spoons bowl uh, of Shurkes here? Someone, someone, someone pointed out to me. Oh, well, if it had a sound effect, it'd be more clear, right? That she's setting the bowl down. Like that would have been more clear because mm. I was staring at that thing, going like, "What am I missing here?" Forks and spoons, right? <laughs> yeah, I think she. It's because she's putting it down yeah, to she, go. She washes her dishes. Uh, like in the in yeah. the previous episode, we see her just in passing. She's holding these plates, and I feel like the implication is that while Casca and the boy went to sleep, she was washing the yeah. dishes and she's setting them like in the in the cupboard or something. But uh, yeah, I agree that the sound effect would have been uh, useful in this situation. I don't mean to make a big deal about it. It's not a big deal, guys. It's forks and spoons. I'm just saying storytelling wise, I was confused. The team is so nice below mirror. They didn't even draw food in her bowl when she was eating. That's how much <laughs> they screwed up. <laughs> there is something though, uh, which also we didn't mention, is like the kind of fog. Uh, at the end, when, when Gus has just fucked up like the courtyard, he's uh, destroyed alone. Uh, we see there's some kind of like yeah fog emanating, like it's covering the dragon slayer, even Shuriken. Mm-hmm. I know it's supposed to be like just uh, sweat, like the heat from his body, but it feels like there's a lot of uh, of of it. You know, there's one one panel interstitial between his face and uh, Shuriken Farnese, and it seems to be a lot of stuff. Not sure what it's supposed to be. Supposed to be. Could it be tool. the maelstrom like manifesting so now? So the artists you don't know? have to draw backgrounds. Well, <laughs> yeah. So Gobs just uh, told the truth. It's yeah. <laughs> same thing. F- Come on. Same thing for Zod. Well, I mean, Zod's uh, lower lower half of his body is not really there, right? Mm-hmm. So no, I don't know honestly. What if it's the male? The, it, to me, it's the maelstrom. Okay. Uh, it's it's being manifested now. It's not just you yeah. know calm anymore he's 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 pushing it he's making it happen mm-hmm. okay but i don't know yeah don't know don't know but i agree i noticed it too i wondered exactly what it was that i was seeing uh until i saw playlist translation i couldn't be sure but at the time i was thinking that it was griffith you know using wind to push guts back or something like mm-hmm. that like he does uh on the caravan with ganishka right uses wind power yeah. to push away the, the fog form <laughs> what did i say what did i say caravan? yeah caravans that's just uh that's funny I don't know what to call it. The thing that Granishka's riding around Mobile in his cute palace. little carriage thing. Sure. <laughs> wind power. Um, I don't think that's what's happening. I think it's just uh, a wind effect, but it's very dramatic, right? Yeah. That panel between Guts panting and Farnese and Shurke, that's very dramatic wind happening right there yeah. to me. So that's why I just assume it's the Maelstrom in some form, because what else would it be? I mean, this episode's hmm. all about the Maelstrom. Sure, could be, could be. Uh, pass that baton back over. We'll wrap this up. Well, I don't know who wants it. We give it to Walter. <laughs> nom, nom, nom. Okay, I'm passing it back to Grayson. <laughs> okay, I'm passing it back to you, Walter. <laughs> I really should have called it a Behirid or something. A baton is just totally unassociated yeah. with Berserk. Pass me the dragon. Just make sure you <laughs> hold it right in front of Az or he's going to notice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the last thing I have to say, we covered a yeah. lot, by the way. I think we did a damn good job going all over the place. So thanks for that wide ranging discussion, extra long episode. Uh, it's just the dialogue. 
uh, I'm looking at uh, Puella's translation, and it's no fault of Puella's. It's just that the dialogue itself is very staccato, very short. I'm just going to read a little bit here at this key moment between Farnese and Shurka. It says, teacher, no, please stop. Farnese, how did you manage to come? Never mind that. That is, yes, do you know? Question mark. And then later is a scene where Puck says, I sense it, something. Something is. Well, when you coming. read it like a robot, it. it doesn't help. <laughs> right. <laughs> sure. I just, uh, here's the thing. They're creating opportunities for dialogue. They're going for it in some scenes. In others, they're not going for it at all. Uh, it's this weird halfway method between a normal manga and a summarized one that moments like these are going to occur where it feels kind of awkward that they're kind of just kind of like a halfway solution to that problem. So it felt really strange to me. It stuck out to mm-hmm. me. Yeah, I mean the dialogue. It's uh, I think it's one of the biggest unknowns left. We we have to wait and see uh, basically what's going to happen in the next episode. I guess to to get a better idea of it. I feel like like I said earlier. I think probably I prefer if they stick to the minimum amount of it because I'm worried it might not sound right. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. And that might be a bigger problem than things looking a bit wonky here and there, or the storyboarding not be good. Because if the characters don't sound like themselves, yeah, that might not be great. And that's uh, yeah. that's on Mori too. It's it's he's the one writing. So I'm again, I'm, I'm I trust him to stick to what Mira told him and to try to be as faithful as possible. At the same time. You know, Berserk, yeah, there were episodes where it's just characters saying, ah, I can feel something, or just Masaka, what's going on? Sure, but yeah. there's also some stuff where it's very, like, you look at the what the Skull Knight tells Danan uh, at the grave, you look what Griffiths yeah. tells Guts when he when he's transformed back into uh, from the boy, that kind of stuff. Uh, it's you poetry. Can, yeah, you can have a like, literature prize winner, he might not be able to imitate it. So it's it's tough. And um, yeah, it's a risky endeavor, I think. So I'm just, uh, again, apprehensive about how they handle it. You're saying more might not be better. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think uh, yeah. the more... Da- da- Go ahead. Be careful what you wish for. Like the the more they try to do, the more it might just come across as false and wrong, you know, whereas if they, at least if they keep it to a yeah. minimum, it'll just feel like something is missing or things are lacking, you know, whereas it's like, you know, be, be silent and be thoughtful or open your mouth and remove all doubt, you know, where it's like, yeah, yeah you know, like right. they're just going to show, they're only going <laughs> to show their ass if they try to, you know, imitate Mira <laughs> that way. It's it's like that fog. Yeah, cover you know? cover yeah. it up as best, obscure it a little bit, you know, a little coverage. It'd be be great if all the knowledgeable wizards wake up and they're watching all this stuff happen, and they're like, "Damn, this is whoa, fucked up." Whoa! <laughs> and that's like the only thing they have to say. What the whoa. fuck? Just you know, like uh, uh, ten dots. Damn, dude. It's like hmm, hmm, <laughs> and they right. just don't say anything. They're looking out the windows, but they're staying in their beds, well, is the picture. It reminds yeah. me, it's like another name for this project of the many different things we've come up with, like, you know, zombie berserk or berserk light. It's like half measure berserk, where it's like, let's let's take the half measure, because if we try to do the full one, it, it's just going to expose the the gap between themselves and Mira all the more. I guess that's a wrap. 
We will be back very shortly. July 8th is when the next episode is out. That means the next podcast for us would be that following Sunday. Oh, so uh, I'm too old yeah, for this get shit. Get ready. It is getting, it's getting hot and heavy. Before I go, I wanted to mention that we do have a Patreon. It's at patreon.com slash sknet. Uh, we have a lot of recent new subscribers, so thank you guys for joining us. We were able to surpass 300 a month. Woo-hoo. This is awesome. Some of you guys even chipped in more of your existing pledge, so that's great. All of that is going to help uh, Puela's ongoing efforts at translating Berserk, whether that's episodes themselves, but also all the stuff you might see on patreon.com slash sknet, which include almost all of the tributes to Kentaro Miura are now done. They're wrapping that up right now, Puela and Azil. Uh, and after that, she's going to move on to the artwork of Berserk Translation, which is, of course, that big-ass book that came with the exhibition. So we'll look forward to that. Uh, I wanted to give a quick shout-out to uh, our existing gold subscribers, which include Alpiro Piro, Asmer, Arokas, Spacey Laos, Darklink, Dirtiest M, Het Kataria, Isha, Jason D, Guts, M, <laughs> Milbs, Name... Nezi, Third Poison, Thomas Lambert, Walter, Piran, and Rombad. Wow, Thank that you, list everybody. has grown. It has. It has. I don't know the exact number, but yeah, it grew since last month for sure. Really? So again, thanks everybody. And we'll be back in another month with more podcasts. And if you want more podcasts, we've got many podcasts. We've got 17 mini podcasts available right now, one per month, just like this show. Although this show is turning into more of a three per month mm-hmm. at the rate we're going. Hopefully not forever, though. All right. Thanks for joining us. Later, guys. Bye-bye. See you.